You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. This is Randy. In the future, fans of foreign movies will wonder, where'd all these American actors come from? This is Melanie. And in the future, our need to constantly simplify everything will lead us to discard difficult and useless letters like X, Q, and J. What do you think, Jesse? (laughs) Well done. Well played. This is Jesse. In the future, when you go to a silent auction, people will not be allowed to speak, and mimes will rule the silent auction underworld. I love the idea of one, a silent auction underworld, and two, that it's ruled by mimes. Well, yeah. Who who else could rule? <laughs> Welcome to the Grolix Podcast. This is episode number 32. Woo! And Woo-woo. the whistle goes. Uh, <laughs> uh, today we are going to talk about surely some random things. But also, the pull list pick, DC The New Frontier, and something that I'm sure no one else has been talking about for the last month, Stranger Things. I've, I've not even heard of it. It's a pretty obscure little show. <laughs> it's probably flown under your radar. Probably. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. That and the DMC. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't have heard anything. That went over well. <laughs> I don't know why I have this bizarre need to make things political on this show. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I didn't know what the heck you were talking about for a minute there. But now I know, now I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, letters? Uh, what Letters? Okay. <laughs> Let's kick right into some whatever in-house news we might happen to have. Oh, I do have something that'll... T- That'll be tied into a later conversation, so I'll save that for later, which means I didn't have to mention it now at all. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're doing well. A Stranger Things thing. Oh, oh okay. okay. A Stranger, a stranger thing. thing. Yeah, okay. Uh, I know you're. I know where you're going. Do we have any new podcasts? Seems like every time we get on here, there's like one, two, three more. No new podcasts on the network. Um, Not even the three Bs? Aren't they new? Were they... Did, did we not talk about them last time? What is it? I think they were new. The Buds, Beers, and Brutality podcast. I remember you saying it, but I don't know if it was actually in the podcast or if it was like a, a later thing you did for a... Well, in case we haven't mentioned it, uh, we have a new a new addition to the podcast network, the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network, of which we are part of and we talk about frequently. <laughs> yes, yes. The Buds, Beers, and Brutality podcast, 3B Horror Pod, if you want to look them up on Twitter, search that. that. that that's a good line, right there. Yeah. Um, and it's a great show. I enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, it's it's typically four, sometimes five guys. Uh, last episode, there was a couple girls in the mix. <gasps> and uh, Girls. Wow. <laughs> and uh, they they will review a horror movie and watch it commentary style 
and they pair usually some type of fancy type alcoholic beverage with it and they also talk about the beverage and by the end of it they're usually pretty drunk and it's very funny (laughs) i would like well and if we if we did not mention them i do know that we did not mention the fact that there's another crossover episode which they're one of them's on right yes there is another crossover episode um which if you haven't caught those man those are those are awesome it's basically a random grab bag of hosts from various podcasts on the network each episode and we talk about things not stranger things but not yet anyway but things and how's uh, that not happened i don't know yeah i know uh last episode we had uh dustin from the pro wrestling iowa podcast he's been on all three episodes uh myself of course uh jesse was not on the last episode who was on the last episode we also had chris c from the buds beers and brutality podcast and we had robert from the roman pod and cast show pod and cast yeah roman pod and cast because it's roman lebeau and robert cast so it's the roman pod and cast i see so it's kind of roman show and then uh, robert cast is there (laughs) okay (laughs) um that's a good show too. I think we talked about it last time, but there, that's a good show as well. Both great stuff. Electronicmediacollective.com. <laughs> I feel awkward starting with that at the beginning of the episode, but I think I, I think I nailed the delivery. I did. I did too. You did. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's like infotainment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like Madman. We do, you know, like we just sprinkle it. Product placement throughout. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, the recent the recent crossover episode, um, it was a good time. It was a good time. We didn't have a set topic, and I find I struggle a little bit with that. Um, so in the future, we're gonna try to maybe folk have at least like backup topics if we don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it was a good show. I mean, I listened back to it later, and I thought you guys did really well. Yeah, it's. I mean, it wasn't. It definitely was not a bad experience. It's a good time. It's fun to listen to. And if you listen to the podcast feed version, the audio only version, um, it's smoothed over a little bit. On Facebook, we had streaming trouble and I had to break the episode up into two pieces. But all right, Melanie's gone. She's, I'm here. I'm just not there. She's gone to work. Other in house stuff. We have a bites that just went up. Yeah. If you missed that, we had a, that was, man, that was fun. Uh, and We're likely to reference it. <laughs> yeah. We had a, a it's Grawlix Bites number seven, but we did a commentary track for episode one of season one of the HBO animated Spawn series. And that was good. And I'm glad I had Jesse on there with me because I think you carried a lot of the episode. But <laughs> but you when it comes to snarky, man, I can just deliver. Well, and you did. Then that's what made it so fun too. <laughs> Because I was like watching it, I'm like, what was I thinking when I was watching this the other day? So the synth score here is kind of interesting, and you're like, that Spawn, <laughs> he's quite a guy, <laughs> a violator. Yeah, yeah. One, one, one man's garbage. <laughs> oh man, that was the, that was, turned into <laughs> that that turned into my favorite thing, the yeah. uh, treasure can moment. <laughs> so if you don't know, have a little bit of that, if you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to it. The pacing, it's it. Listening back, I listened to it on its own, mm-hmm. and I think it I think it plays fairly well if you're not watching the show still. It's definitely a different kind of pacing 
for for Grolix, but sure. I, but I think it worked. And it's uh, we it's, didn't we didn't have a whole lot of dead space. I mean, there was a few times where I I caught myself. I'm like, I'm just watching this. <laughs> I need yeah. to be saying something. Yeah, commentary tracks definitely tricky. Um, but it was fun to do. And there were times where it's like you had so much to say that you start missing other content. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, wait, but this happened. Oh, no. So I would definitely be excited for future commentary tracks. Yes. And I haven't got a whole lot of feedback specifically on how people felt about that episode. The download numbers are pretty good. We got a lot of retweets and a lot of uh, sharing of that of the link. So I think people must have at least been interested in the in the. uh the topic, if not actually the content mm -hmm. itself. So, so if if you listener checked out the episode and you enjoyed the commentary track, let us know and we'll take that into consideration when we're thinking of future like, what can we do for a random bites or something? We will put your feedback on its very own Acme box and place it into <laughs> a artist studio warehouse. A very interesting lit uh, dungeon wall <laughs> looking artist studio warehouse. All I have to say is, Todd McFarlane, you are a lucky man because your vision must be impeccable. Because <laughs> if I had to draw into those conditions, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> the intro. It'd be like the mole man. The Todd McFarlane <laughs> intro to that episode is amazing. Yes. Really, I think I, when I watched it the first time, or at least the first time in many years, um, as soon as the intro was over, I was like, we have to do a commentary for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a good time. And we also talked about like the episodes about 20 some 27 minutes long. And we talked for another roughly 30 minutes after <laughs> I was gonna say we probably doubled it. Yeah, Cause that's how we do. That's <laughs> what we do here. And we even uh, talked after that and released a uh, Grolix bites post show on Patreon. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, did it actually make a post show? Yeah, I cut it down. It could have been 20, 20, 25 minutes long. And, uh, but I, I I cut it down to about ten minutes because I was like, this ten minutes is good, and the other stuff was <laughs> the other stuff wasn't bad. But I was like, this ten minutes has like energy, right? Or maybe it wasn't even ten. Maybe it was like four minutes. I don't know. It was pretty short. But I was like, this has energy. It's fun to listen to. The other stuff isn't bad. But I think if I were a listener, this would be what I'd want to hear. So right, concentrated fun. Yeah, for sure. Oh, you know what I never did? I never hit stream for. Uh, our non-existent spider buggy bonsai tier. Patrons. Oh no. So <laughs> I'll do that now more than anything. I'm, I'm curious to see uh, how that turns out after the fact. Oh anyway. yeah, sure. And all of these things, the post show, the spider buggy tier, all of that you can find at patreon.com mm -hmm. uh, forward slash Grolix podcast. Yes. Yes. Or is it more complicated than that? Patreon.com slash Grolic's podcast. Nope, that's that's what it is. That, okay, that that sounded right in my head. Sorry, I'm just trying to get this little uh, broadcast started for our very select few that actually get to listen to us record these live for some reason. <laughs> we could broadcast up to eight hours if we wanted. Oh, <laughs> wow! I can't imagine that. No, I know eight eight hours a full day. We'd have to have something like a uh, I don't know, like a Kickstarter going on or something if we were gonna live cast like that and i don't even know what we'd kickstart maybe an actual spider buggy <laughs> <laughs> a, a, sp a spider buggy scaled to bonsai size 
that would be pretty amazing. That I'd have be. to, I'd have to like tie his feet into there, <laughs> and then you, when you, which he would not be happy about. It suddenly sounds like a torture device. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, and then we're starting to get into some like questionable territory in terms of uh, animal cruelty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, Randall, you can force your flying ways upon the kitten. <laughs> force my flying ways upon the kitten. <laughs> he doesn't fly. Stop trying to make him do it. That's why he needs that spider buggy. Listen, he wants to fly. He just doesn't know it. But when it's happening, I'm sure he's thrilled about it. (laughs) (laughs) The other day I was holding him and he wouldn't look at me. I was like, why won't you look at me? (laughs) And then he took his paws and he pressed against my chest, trying to get away. And I was like, why are you like this? Were were you asking yourself for the cat? Uh, the cat. <laughs> oh, I didn't know if Listen, it was a moment of introspection. No, or what? it's all the cat's doing. He's the one doing it. Oh, all. <laughs> he's the one. Yeah. <laughs> I just like to have fun. All right. Hey, I just like to have a good time. <laughs> Nothing weird about that. Wow, what happened? Oh. What is this? Yeah, I don't really pester the cat all that much. Most of the time, I chase him around because he pesters me. Like, shut up, cat. Leave me alone. But (laughs) it's usually if Melanie's around, then I like to make a show of it. Oh, yeah. You got to have an (laughs) audience. Listen, you have to have an audience for this. Otherwise, you're just a weirdo. (laughs) Otherwise, you're just mean to animals. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just cruel. (laughs) You've got an audience. It's a good time. It's fun. (laughs) Hey, guys. See? (laughs) (laughs) oh man uh uh i was talking to dustin from pro wrestling iowa podcast uh was saying something about he wanted to play D &D, and that sounded exciting and then you chimed in with uh yeah that happened today yeah like like mere hours ago sounds like the making of a, a potential super podcast and uh yeah right that would be awesome i was gonna chime in that you guys both uh you both failed your will save against starting another podcast, but <laughs> hey, nothing is nothing has officially been agreed upon. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I know. <laughs> but once you get excited about another show, it's all downhill. I know, I know. I mean, I got the, I, I the crossover pod the net network crossover podcast is kind of a second podcast for me as it is. So right, if if another podcast happened to like come into being. It definitely be it. It have to be you, monthly at the most. It probably wouldn't be such a big deal if you were just a host, but if you had to do all the other stuff, yeah, yeah, which you still kind of do because of the network. But yeah, and so we do the 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 network crossover shows. We do those live, and we stream them to Facebook. And part of that decision was if it goes out live, I don't have to edit it. <laughs> And right. even after the fact, when I do the audio only upload later to the website, um, even that, like, I might clean it up a little bit, but since it's already gone out live, I don't feel like I have to, like, scrub through it. Um, so it's a pretty quick turnaround. I also enjoyed doing that commentary episode because I couldn't edit it too much or else the time <laughs> would become off. Right, right. It'll be uh, podcast day before too long. Yes. Uh, yeah, September. Which is is that September thirtieth? Yeah, September thirtieth is the it's International Podcast Day. 
So this will actually be the September episode that we're recording now. So at the end of the month, mm-hmm. podcast day. So we're definitely gonna we're definitely have something going on network wise, um, electronic media collective network wise. We'll have some type of whether it's just like a special crossover episode or there was talk of kind of a interesting clip show, kind of like what we did last year, but on a bigger scale or from a different angle. Um, More like a highlight reel. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know that I'll be able to get all the shows on the network in on that. Um, but I mean, with as many shows as we have now, we don't have to. And we could still have a pretty sizable episode. So, right. yeah. So we'll have something in that respect lined up. And Grolix will be tied into that. And I don't know if we're doing a Grolix specific anything. I guess it kind of depends. I, I guess we hadn't really talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. But we hadn't really talked about the. Uh, commentary episode to like the day before we did it either so, <laughs> yeah yeah that's kind of how we roll these so. things just spring up sometimes you you guys just be ready because whatever happens happens yeah you know what let's do letters page segment okay okay so we don't have any we don't have any voicemail this month but the letters page is our listener input segment uh if you want to chime in on what we're talking about this episode which we always announce it pretty much the episode before or at least on social media um, or even what we talked about in a past episode, or you just want to talk about the show or whatever, um, you can send us an email at uh, letters, that's L-E-T-T-E-R-S, letters at com. You can send us an audio clip, which would be great because this is an audio medium. Um, you can email it to the same address, or you can leave us a voice message on our Google Voice line, which is 559-426-6427. Or if this helps you remember, five five nine four comics. I believe that's a California area code. So if you have to worry about long distance, just be aware of that. Is yeah, five five nine, oh. not five five five. Um, and try to keep it about two minutes. If you're doing an audio anything, keep it two minutes or under. That'd be great. But we do have an email this month. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Yay! From a person that's not not one of us? It's not us, and it's not Brandon. So we got this from Patrick from Make Dad Read Comics. And this is a fantastic email. We got it shortly after our last episode went up. So I was like, that's a great email. I really want to reply to it. Uh, we got to wait like a month. For the next <laughs> yeah, like a full month, yeah. So uh, Make Dad Read Comics is a podcast? Yes. Yeah. It is a podcast. I, I asked I like, this question like I don't know. The I, I know. I like how you frame that. <laughs> it's a podcast that I sent an email to. <laughs> yeah, uh, interrogative. Yeah, I did. I did actually send an email back, uh, and you can hear my email on his uh, his episode one sixty seven about Battling Boy, which was an interesting episode, anyways, because it's about a comic I had not heard of. Yeah, me either. Battling Boy? Battling Boy. It sounds Battling really Boy. interesting. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good episode, yeah. Make Dad Read Comics. Check that out. Jesse emailed them, um, and they read it on their show after after we got this email from, from Patrick. And you can contact Patrick on Twitter at Dad Read Comics. Yep. On, tw- on the tweets. On the tweets. Or twit twit, as Dad would say on the show. <laughs> or tweet tweet. <laughs> so, Patrick writes... Hey all, this is an email long time coming, having listened for years but never properly interacted. Has it been years? We've been doing this for two and a half years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. See, that's why it's so rough. We're hitting our terrible twos, baby. 
<laughs> it was like two and a half, right? Yeah. We're getting two and a half. Close to two and, and a half. Yeah. Was it like March or February when we started? Oh yeah, I guess it is. You're, March. Yeah, I guess it is closer to two and a half than I was thinking. Sorry, two and a half episode. Time for a tantrum. Forgive me. I, I am a rambling dolt. Whomever reads this email, I am sorry. I will keep it bullet pointed. I wonder if he wanted us to read that. Well, we <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do that anyways. <laughs> Don't worry, Patrick. If there was ever a place to ramble, this is the place for it. Yeah. All right. Thanks for plugging my show, often via Twitter. I suck at social media. I am sure you have more to do with our legion of listeners than I. <sighs> Legions of listeners. They uh, he has a pretty good following. Yeah, but I don't think he got it from us. Um, we have like interacted with him on social media for quite a while, and you know I always try to promote a show. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah, you're that you're really good at that, baby. But I can't. I I don't think we can take any claim on like his his listenership because they have a good show. It's a good premise. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great premise, and I look forward to it every week. So it's. Well, people th- check it out thank you for that patrick i mean there's more to the message but thank you for that thought and i mean i guess if we have to we can claim that but i can't i can't stake any claim on your on your listenership you did it all yourself man that's good hard work we hope we sent you some people yeah i think the long form monthly format of the show is perfect gives me time to read the book on the poll list and voting list deal uh plus you folks do a great in-depth discussion with that much prep time for some of the books we read, we need that much prep time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, for some of the books we read, I, I barely read them before we... <laughs> Speaking of this month. Speaking oh. of. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll get into that shortly. But, I mean, I didn't finish I didn't finish this month's Polis book till last night, so... I, I finished it this morning. Yeah? Yep. Melanie... That's, that's, Wow. D- doesn't even know what we're reading. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Honestly, yeah. I don't. But that's not your fault. It's been a crazy thing for you. Okay. More on this. Let's see. Plus you folks. Okay. I already did that. Jesse, a dig tank monkey. Also, you back to school in August? We have until September here in the great state of Michigan. Oh, enjoy that. Because, oh, yeah. this week was rough. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, both, yeah. Because Melanie's back to school too. Both of you guys got slammed this month. Yeah, but not in Michigan. They they get to wait till September. And and thank you for your kind words about Tank Monkey. By the way, thank you. Is Michigan where they make lots of beer, or is that what? Is it Michigan where they make a lot of beer, or is that Wisconsin? I think they make tires. I, I don't know. <laughs> Wisconsin likes their beer for sure. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, I'm confusing you. Then that's horrible of me. You just have a big pool lake. Maybe I should turn your microphone up, huh? Um, am I quiet? You, it was turned all the way down. Oh! <laughs> so they might not have heard you very at all. But That's okay. I was probably insulting. I, I can hear her, so I don't... Oh, you I, could hear her? Okay. If yeah, you could I, hear I, her, I, good. Fine, so... Well, yeah. she's back to full volume now, so... My all right. Bad. I turned it down when you were on the computer. I'm sorry. That's okay. Okay. Patrick continues. On to Infinite Crisis. I think it was Randy that pointed out how goofy Batman was in this book. I had the same takeaway on on my reread, and now can see how Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns post crisis post crisis was such a sea change for comics at the time. Melanie, as a kid, I think I may be a bit older than than you lot. I thought Pariah, okay, Pariah the character, yeah, okay. But as a kid, he thought Pariah was 
a 1930s hysterical woman stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yep. Yeah. I can do that. But as an adult, he could not get over the hell that would be uh, reliving the end of world after world. Yeah, that would be brutal. Yeah. And headbands are whack, son. <laughs> Supergirl, get with it. Yep, get with it. Yeah, I mean, unless you're gonna be on the next uh was it fame? Like a sequel to fame. Or I suppose <laughs> you were like, what was it? Uh not I'm I've got over the top in my head, but it's uh the sequel to <laughs> Saturday Night Fever. Um some I don't know. Staying alive. Staying alive. Yeah, yeah, staying alive. Yeah. I don't know. The title track of Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> yeah. All right. When you became bogged down in the plot and how confusing everything became, it confirmed that this is a book I can never have dad read on our show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. No, so confusing. I mean, yeah. It, I mean, when you read it, it's straightforward, but there's just so much trying to like recount it all. Holy crap. Yeah. Look, yeah. yeah. Wise call, Patrick. Don't do it. Yeah. Plus, there's probably better books that, that your dad would enjoy. I, I, I think... If I were going to get confusing at all, I would maybe recommend what we're reading this month, which is The New Frontier. Yeah. Yeah. That one would be okay, even though there's a lot of characters, because there's a lot of cool period things to tie into. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that after the fact and thinking about this email. Like, this, I could see them covering on Make Dad Read Comics, what we're going to yeah. talk about today, but definitely not Crisis. Uh, no. Let's see. It was insane that Darkseid died like 400 times. Yeah. Uh, Alexander Luther suddenly becomes so crazy, pseudo-sexual, deus ex machina device. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Let's all go in my belly button. And <laughs> That was this Red and Stimpy episode, by the way. It's a good thing it's an any. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and Patrick says, I still choke up when Barry Allen dies, though. It's the ultimate sacrifice, yeah. Yeah, I I think they it's played well. Great show. If you ever wish to help me explain comics to my dad in the future, any and all have an open door. Um, Patrick and Dad via proxy. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know that we would help clarify <laughs> things. <laughs> yeah. we, probably, we probably wouldn't help matters, but that is a, that is a very generous offer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, as great as it would be, I, I have a feeling that'd be one of those shows where I don't think I could personally add to it. <laughs> I would just detract from things. I'd be like, hey, dad, what do you think about this? Yep, me too. And then it'd be like an hour later. And I would be distracted. Yeah. <laughs> and distracting. All of, our, all of our eyes are glossed over. Patrick's like, you guys are just as bad as dad is. Uh, um, <laughs> th <laughs> thank you, Patrick. That was an awesome email. And I was super excited when you yes, sent it to thank us. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's a real nice email. So everybody, go listen to Make Dad Read Comics. It's really good. It's a good show. They've covered a ton of books. They have. I was looking at their archives, and I was just like, whoa, you guys have hit books that we we haven't even seen on our poll list yet so and i know we've That's given awesome. i know we've given them a shout out on the show in the past but if you don't know what it is patrick is into comic books his dad was never into comic books uh it was you know kid stuff and stuff for uh trench coat wearing weirdos and mm -hmm. you know it was not something his dad was ever into um and he started a podcast and each episode he has him and his dad read a comic book or graphic novel and then he discusses it with his dad, who is not a pod, uh, comics fan. 
at this point, he's read so many comics. You know, he still says he's not like a fan of comics, but there's definitely comics you can tell he enjoyed a lot, and he gets excited about when they talk about it on the show. Right. So that's that's super fun to listen to. Yeah. But they're most. Uh, it wouldn't be this month. There, it wouldn't be this week. But the week before, they reviewed a web comic, and it brought on a whole bunch of socio-political, like ideological discussion. And you could tell that Dad was really into it. So I think that if nothing else, he really likes that aspect of comics. Mm-hmm. Now, if Patrick stopped, if Patrick and 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 his dad stopped doing the podcast. You know, yeah, his dad probably might not pick up another comic book, but he definitely seems like he's enjoyed it. And some of them he seems like he doesn't enjoy, um, mm-hmm. as will happen. But it's some of them I don't enjoy. It's it's <laughs> it's a great show. It's a great podcast. And it's I was going to say, like, I, I think Mel and uh, Patrick's dad probably have kind of similar tastes in comics <laughs> because uh-huh. he doesn't like the big cape uh it seems like I, sh- I shouldn't say that because maybe he does, but it seems like uh, Patrick's dad doesn't like the big cape uh, superhero books as much. And uh, I feel like sometimes that's the case with our show, too, is like, yeah, man, we, we, we hit a lot of capes in our show. And uh, and sometimes that can get a little overwhelming. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> OK. OK. I wasn't off base on that. Let's get some some I don't know evil things and vampires, and witches and bachelors. Could we read witches? That's witches. Yeah. Scott Snyder. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, that's all we got for letters page. Okay. I thought of some. It's all pizza stuff, real quick. Yeah. Let's do that. Axton Kaler and I, uh, and we've talked about Axton, and we've even had him on the show before. Um, we went to Kansas City Comic Con. Boy, was that at the beginning of this month? Oh yeah, yeah. We- Again, we we met the uh, cat dancer himself, Jo Bar. Uh, you know, like we didn't talk to him in depth or anything. I wouldn't go, "Hey, I'm buying this Prince of Gabriel because cat dancing." Cat and, you know, dancing. Like, I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't have that awkward conversation. You didn't. But, you didn't uh, give him a Grolix, uh business card. <laughs> no, no, I didn't go there. No, but I did have some uh, great conversations with with a couple of people, and uh, one of them, and I, I really felt bad after the fact. I was like, why didn't I pack a good recorder for this? Uh, because a conversation we had with the the folks at Walkin and Roland Costumes, uh, which their website is walkinrolland.org, and it's Roland without a G. Okay. Oh, same thing with the with Walkin. It's W A L K I N. And then Roland, R-O-L-L-I-N dot org. And what they do is they create uh, they create basically cosplay costumes for kids in wheelchairs. And they're like when you see those on on uh, social media, uh, it's possible that these guys did them because they will take uh, a wheelchair and create an X-Wing fighter around it or they will they will take a wheelchair and turn it into uh baymax from big hero six or r2d2 and so uh we got we got talking to them that was the first place that we stopped and that's the first place that we uh, the first people that we talked to and they gave us some uh, like kind of like coloring sheets but basically uh so that you could design a wheelchair costume and uh so that you could do that and then send it into them and uh, they they were just really interesting folks and and just doing incredible things for a good cause, and so yeah, I wanted to go ahead and, and mention that that I ran into them, 
And then we also talked a little bit to a group called uh, Pawns and Pints. We played, uh, we played Jenga, like giant-sized Jenga at their table and uh, did not win a t-shirt unfortunately i was just going to knock over the thing so that axton won because <laughs> that's how it worked is like you play jenga and if you uh if the next person lost then you got a t-shirt so i was like what if i just knock this over then axton will win but i i didn't do that uh, but they are they are like a cool little like um they've got they had a kickstarter i i don't know if it's probably gonna be over by the time that this airs but um they are opening oh no 22 days to go as i open this up uh they are a board game cafe board game uh, cafe ponds and pints kansas city's first board game cafe and it looks it looks really good uh check out their kickstarter search for them on on kickstarter and all i did was uh type in ponds and pints in google and it came up so that is a great idea it yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it reminds me of Spielbound, which is in Omaha. So if you're in the metro area, you know, check them out. But Ponds and Pints, check check out their Kickstarter. It's already funded, so you know anything that you do is just going to help even more. It's funded with so, 22 days to go. With 22 days to go, they they must have gone with one of the long form. That's awesome though. Uh, yeah. Campaigns, but yeah, yeah, very cool. That reminds me of an update to a Kickstarter we sh did a shout out for last episode, last Prime. Uh, oh, the Harold Lovecraft and Tesla our, uh, tabletop RPG. Uh huh. Oh yes, it got funded. Sweet. Yeah. Yay! So we can play it while we read. We were hoping to try to get some of somebody from from their camp on the show and to talk to us, uh, but we just didn't get a chance to like fit it in. But they didn't need us. No. They, they did it on their own. Although Look I did back them, so they did need me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kid. I kid. <laughs> Jesse, is there a Kickstarter you don't you haven't backed? That's a good, that's a fair question. <laughs> no. I, I feel like I shouldn't answer it, but <laughs> it is a fair question. No, I'm kidding. Because well, after after I was halfway into that, I was like, "Man, this kind of sounds like me being a jerk." And I'm just playing along, <laughs> playing no, around. No, but, no uh, if we if we if we mention it on the show, generally speaking, I'm already on board. <laughs> so, but that just makes sense because it's obviously Kickstarter's. Like, I feel like that gives legitimacy to us giving a Kickstarter a shout out because you've most likely if we talk about it you've you've chipped in you've funded <laughs> it. it yeah so yeah, it's, it's not true. like some weird payola scheme we got going on we don't get nothing out of it nope nope yeah. in fact it is ruining my life <laughs> I, mean, I, mean my, I mean my budget my budget is ruining my budget uh -huh. okay <laughs> that took a turn <laughs> well maybe maybe uh we'll fund some more later take some of the heat off jesse when you guys you guys uh funded the uh the after daylight yep and we got a fantastic paperback copy of the after daylight uh volume one book yeah that's that's a great looking book too mm -hmm. how's that pecan pie it's freaking delicious okay good <laughs> <laughs> i also uh i'm almost 40 and i bought my first game boy you sort of yeah it's a it's a nintendo 2ds a 2ds a 2DS, because you can get a 3DS, and basically a 2DS is the same thing, only it's not 3D. Really? <laughs> surprise, surprise. 
real weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, what, it's a little cheaper, and so yeah. What led to this? Well, I don't know. Like I, I, I was asking my brother, my brother Jacob, about this, and I was like, "Hey, is this a midlife tri- midlife crisis, or am I just a giant nerd?" And he's like, "No, nah, you're just a giant nerd." <laughs> 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 and and uh but it was like you know i've been playing a lot of pokemon go mm. and uh if you're a patreon backer you know this yeah because i've put up a few ridiculous videos or i've put up one and there's another one coming mm-hmm. uh but anyways i i kind of was like i kind of want to see what what this is about so i went ahead and bought pokemon x and then i also uh i've been really wanting to try out a link between worlds which is the zelda sequel to the super nintendo title uh zelda a link to the past mm-hmm. and so I've, I've i've just been that's been on my radar for a while and i knew that it was coming out for the system so that's the main thing but it's just it, I, it just occurred to me i was like i'm almost 40 and i've never owned my own game boy that's fair i don't i've never had a game boy myself either neither have i <laughs> I'm well. I've always been like a console guy. Yeah, I was always a console mm-hmm. guy, and then I became part of the PC master race uh, in terms of my gaming. And then, uh, but like as I as I've gone on, I started to realize like, yeah, as much as I prefer a good sit down gaming experience, I'm more apt to play a, a game on my phone. Mm-hmm. I'm more apt to be on the go. I would probably use a Game Boy or a DS or a in this case two DS more than any of those other things. It's kind of interesting that now that everyone has phones that can do what phones can do, that now you pick up a handheld system, but it is kind of your gateway into, I guess, mobile gaming because you don't see, you still don't see phone games quite like uh, handheld devices can do. No. Yeah. The Angry Angry Birds and Pokemon Go are the only two phone games I've ever even thought about playing, and even then, it's like eh for a while. If if I, maybe I should get one of those because if my phone can handle it, I'd be playing Fallout and uh, oh. and um uh, play Gink all the time, but they crash constantly on my phone. Oh, you mean oh, like yeah. the Fallout Shelter thing? Yeah. Okay. It it surprises me your phone has especially like Play Gink. It's yeah. not it's not super phone intensive, but that's a bummer. Yeah, it sucks. They're like my two favorite ones on there. Mm-hmm. Play Gink is fun. I haven't played uh, Fallout Shelter. Play Gink is frustrating. After you get to Mega, Mega Brutal, it's like you can get like two of them and then it's like the rest of them are impossible, I swear. Yeah. That's like the perfect game for you. You, you, you kill everyone on the planet. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I love it. You like, it's like a, um, what, I guess a, uh, worldwide epidemic uh apocalyptic plague oh yes i've seen this yeah I, I've, I've seen uh ads for it or whatever yeah it's a yeah, plague looked sim. In- that looked interesting too yeah i you know i just looking at this it's like this this uh nintendo 2ds is now powerful enough to play a lot of the things i would have played on a console yeah like like you can go in and you have access to the virtual console. So any of those old school games like Super Mario Brothers 2, mm-hmm. you can play that obviously. But you can also play they released uh like a lot of the Nintendo 64 games. They have re-released it for for the 2DS or the 3DS. So I could I could go back and play Majora's Mask or I could go back and play uh the original 
Zelda N64 uh, Ocarina of Time. You know, a lot of people are going to find this crazy, but with the exception of like maybe a couple minutes of the original NES Zelda game, uh-huh. I've never played Zelda. Any of them. Wow. Any of them. Wow. Really? I mean, I remember being around a lot of Zelda, but I don't think I really got to play it very often. Mm-hmm. It, the Nintendo stuff I wasn't interested in at that time anyway. It seemed it's a kind of a slower pace type game. I like Duck Hunt and, and I like and I like Tetris. That's the, those were my games. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And and it's I didn't have an NES. You know, I had like a Atari twenty six hundred until I got a Super Nintendo. So I never owned an right. actual NES, but everyone else on Earth had one. So I played a lot of NES games at friends' houses and cousins and stuff. And sure. Zelda is not one that makes for fun. Uh, no, you can't like no, no, you can't take turns on that. It's like, oh, you want to play Zelda? Zelda? No, I don't want to play Zelda. So what? You want me to sit here and watch you play Zelda for an hour? No. Yeah. So right. I didn't care for for Zelda, and then after that, I was just like, no, no Zelda. Mm-hmm. Right. I had Bayou Billy. Woo! Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Bayou Billy. That's, mm-hmm. That's original NES. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had to mention that because we don't get a lot of gamer talk on here. But I thought that'd be an interesting footnote or side note. Randy plays started playing Skyrim. I did start Yay! playing Skyrim. Oh, see, I own it and I've never cracked the seal on it. Really? Because I'm like, that's a hole I'll never get out of. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, you will. Because you'll be like these freaking mountains and you'll stop for a minute. <laughs> you know, it is. Okay. So I'm a sucker for a good sandbox game. That's like. Right. Since. I want to say it was, I think it was Grand Theft Auto Vice City was the first like sandbox game I really got into. And after that, I was like, why wouldn't I want to play Like, why would I opt for other things over this? Like, uh, just give me a box where I can do anything in there. And right. that's great. So sandbox games are my things. But Skyrim is frustrating because most sandbox games you can walk to from A to B or drive from A to B or fly from A to B. In Skyrim, there's a mountain between A and B, and you got to go around, and it's a blizzard, and there's a snow troll trying to <laughs> rip your face off. Yep. It's, it is frustrating. Uh-huh. Horse, that is, horses oof. are useless. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they die so quick. I'm like, God, it's a bear. Come on. Yeah, I was hesitant. <laughs> I was hesitant to to play start Skyrim, mm. um, but... Like Fallout was my end to Skyrim because I'm more mm-hmm. into the setting of Fallout than like the, the the typical fantasy thing isn't generally my stuff. But you know, it's Bethesda game. They're very similar. The mechanics are almost identical. Yeah, for they the are. Most part. Some of the codes are the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'll try it. And you've been playing it for months. Oh, I I, I started a new game. It's all the same. You're all you're still in it. Yeah. Uh, well, well, Fallout the Fallout Four and the new and um. The new Vegas even was having problems on your computer. On my computer. No, I know, but I, I'm not as sucked into it as I was worried I would be. Mm-hmm. Like it's fun for a little while, and then I'll be like, okay, I'm gonna stop for a while. Yeah, you have to sometimes. But I, I haven't fallen into it like you did. I, I okay, I'll put it this way: I haven't fallen into it like I did like Fallout Four, mm-hmm. which I blew through quite a bit, and then I kind of fell out of that too. So I was also something that you said, Jesse. Got me thinking. I was always a console gamer. Uh huh. But now that I have a computer that can run good games, I kind of love playing games on computers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. 
that's that's what kind of happened to me too is that when you have the machine that can run it oh man it's a beautiful thing yeah you get used to playing it that way too and it's like ah, i don't know if i can go back yeah well yeah but like i started playing minecraft i'm not not the same but i started playing minecraft on the computer and then when i got to when i started playing it on the xbox when we got it i was like this is so much freaking easier it's ridiculous on the xbox yeah I could is do it really huh because you don't have to you don't have to memorize all the codes for everything. Well, so yeah, or certain codes, but you know. The crafting is kind of dumbed down in a way. And but I understand their logic for it. It's it's I mean, you need the same stuff to make a thing as on the computer, but you don't know you don't need to know how to put it into the grid. Oh, uh, yeah, cuz I've I've goofed that a few times going back to it recently. I was like, "Oh, come on, how do I make a bow and arrow?" which that's not what it was. I I figured that one out, but it was something like ridiculously simple. I'm like, am I going to have to Google this? Come on. What I had read is that exactly what you said is part of the reason they opted to not make you do that on the console version, because they're like, if you're on a computer, you can alt tab over to the internet and that'll have, that tells you how to do stuff. And they're like on a console, you you don't, you can't do that. So we're just not, we're not going to make people. Right. You're supposed to be able to on the Xbox one. Yeah, that's true. If you, you know, let it take your soul. And- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do that, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Towel. <laughs> you know, <laughs> with the, with the, the, the computerized personal assistants and blah, blah, blah. Do yeah. They, do they have a way to change? Can you make Siri, Hal? Because that would be so great. There's got to be. There's yeah, gotta there be. has to be. You know what? There is a video out there of... Uh, do you, have you guys played Portal at all? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay. Uh, the, the main AI in Portal uh, meets Hal in the new LEGO Destinations game. And it's brilliant. <laughs> you should YouTube that. Look that up. Hal meets... Uh, oh, what's her name? It's, it's eluding me right now. But yeah, it's the Portal, the portal AI meets Hal. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I'll check that and out. And she's like, she's like, who's Dave? <laughs> like she's, all, <laughs> she's all indignant about it. Classic Portal style. Portal's a good game. Mm-hmm. I never played Portal 2. And I it's never fun. played all the way through Portal. But I played they have a, Portal. They have a co-op version that was a lot of fun. Portal's good. It gets hard. Yeah, yeah, it does. Puzzler. So I say we jump, before you, you hop off of here, mm-hmm. let's jump into the beginning of pull list. Yes. So we can discuss what we're going to read next month real yes. quick. Good idea. And then and then you can get back to your work. And then, yeah, and then I'll come back when we get to... Stranger Things? Stranger Things. Okay. The pull list segment. Uh, Jesse, if you happen to have it up... I oh, do. Um, what are we reading next month? I love the I love the hand movement. The hand movement. The listeners can't see, but it's, it's like... A, <laughs> no, I can't <laughs> see either. He's, it makes me think of Popeye. For sure. Yeah, it's like Popeye, like... Swinging his arm. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I were singing a sailor shanty. Yes. (laughs) A shanty is like a house. (laughs) If I was swinging a sailor (laughs) house. Shelter. A a sea shanty. Is that it? I don't know. (laughs) A chanty, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually a thing, but (laughs) it sounds closer to a song than a shanty. It was jovial. I know that much. Okay. All right. I'm down with that. Okay. So (laughs) the poll list, every episode we read uh, a book that was voted on by listeners and visitors to the website. So if you haven't got your vote in, go to garlicspodcast.com 
it's in the sidebar or go to the uh, click on the page that takes you to reading lists or poll lists and you can vote on what we read next month. Um, so, well, you can vote on what we're going to read after this next book. Yes. What are we reading next, Jesse? <laughs> well, well, I'd just like to make a segue and say that our poll list is like a shanty town of, <laughs> del- of delights. I mean, it's just like uh, it's, it's bizarre and random to say the least. But what we will be reading next month, holding strong at number one, is Scott Pilgrim. So we just we just narrowly uh, dodged another JLA JSA book, which would <laughs> so in second place was Kingdom Come, which is another Ooh. great book. But we just narrowly dodged another DC Comics property uh, in favor of Scott Pilgrim, which is good because I think we would have lost Melanie. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Scott Pilgrim, I think, will be much more interesting read for you. Yeah. I, I remember the movie, so sort of, but it seemed mm-hmm. video gamey. Mm-hmm. Yes, That's, yes. Yeah. yeah. Music and video games. It's kind of hipstery, but. Uh, I've never read oh. Scott Pilgrim, though. So oh, yeah. I'm I can't curious. say that about the book, though. Just the movie seemed hipstery to me. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm excited. That's what it that That was what was at the lead in the lead last I looked, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. Yep. I it's was still, just, still holding strong. I was crossing my fingers it wasn't going to be Kingdom Come. Okay, so moving past that, listeners, we need to have a talk. Yes, I, I need. I I would like to apologize. Oh, I did not read the poll list pick this, this month. month because I have I have had crazy, crazy, crazy work times this past. Mm-hmm. I I had I worked well, like fifteen days straight for a bit. Ugh. And and some of those days I um yeah. you put in inhumanly inhuman and yeah. uh possibly illegal amounts of hours. Yes, indeed. So like I, if I was if I wasn't working, I was sleeping pretty much. Yeah, and you so, didn't sleep a lot. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm she di- she didn't read the book this month, but you know. To uh, be fair, we almost weren't able to read the book this month either. Yeah, I, I'm kind of sad about it because from what I hear it. It would have been better for me than some of the other ones that we had read. Well, what I was thinking is, okay, so, and here's the thing. Somebody in our audience has <laughs> yeah. a very particular taste for specifically DC books focused around Golden Age and early Silver Age, like, alternate comics history. Because this is, there's elements of this book that we're going to talk about, The New Frontier, that are very similar to, like, at least two... Maybe three. Fairly. I feel like the last, like the last three poll list picks have been. Mm. It's very similar. similar. Yeah. So when I got when I realized that I was like, you know what, Melanie's busy, so she doesn't need the extra pressure of reading this book, and maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> I didn't even realize that we were going to be podcasting today until yesterday. Yeah. I I don't even know how, what part of the month I'm in. Half time. I know. I it's know. Ridiculous. Um. But so yeah, this is. You know, in in elements of this are very similar to stuff we've read le- recently that you've been complaining about. So I was like, it's kind of good. This is the book that you skipped. Mm-hmm. But I kind of after reading it, I was like, I kind of wish that we would have had this book last month and maybe Crisis this month mm-hmm. because I right. think you would have enjoyed this more than you enjoyed Crisis or always, even some of the other books. I can always go back to it when I do when I have time. Yeah. 
But I'm going to leave okay. and do more work while you guys podcast, and then and then I'll hop back on when it gets to something that I actually did have time to do. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So me and Jesse are going going to continue the conversation. I'm going to turn your mic down. Yeah. Turn if, down. if you turn remember, I just, I which turn. mic is it? Okay. Um. But we're going to talk about DC, the new frontier. Yes. Uh. This is. Sorry, I should be more on point with my notes. Here we go. This was, uh, I mean, basically totally created by Darwin Cook, right? It's written in art by Darwin Cook. Yes, with Dave Stewart. Yeah. Is what it says right on the cover there. And I was but, having trouble tracking down what stuff Dave, what Dave Stewart did. Apparently he did some color art. He, yes, he is the colorist. He's the colorist, straight up. Okay. And this was originally p- released as a six-issue limited series published between 2003 and 2004. Uh, it was collected in two volumes in 2005. Uh, that's the version I read. It's two separate books, volume one and two. Um, I believe the version that you read, Jesse, was the deluxe edition that was published in 2015. Uh, that sounds about right. And there is also an absolute edition, which I'm sure is huge and expensive. Yeah, I think this is the deluxe edition, but it doesn't really say on the book itself. So here's a synopsis from Wikipedia. It's pretty brief. Set during the years 1953 to 1960, post-World War II sentiment and Cold War tension have pushed the age of the superhero into decline, which is very similar to some of the stuff we've read lately. However, uh, when a threatening alien presence emerges on Earth, a new era of superheroes must join forces with veteran heroes and an unfriendly United States government to battle the nemesis. That's what I got for synopsis. Okay, so you've read this before, Jesse. I have not. Oh, you, uh, really? I, I, I had uh, I had just picked this up because I I own the uh, animated movie. Mm-hmm. And do you guys have that too? Yeah, yeah. We had watched the animated movie at some point, and so parts of this was familiar. But it's been honestly maybe a a, a year, two years since I watched the animated movie. Right. Okay. Yeah. I uh, I picked up the movie because I had always wanted to read the New Frontier, and then. Uh, then the movie came out and I was super excited about that because I had heard all these great things about Darwin Cook's, uh, his work. And I, I knew that I liked uh, Batman Beyond and Darwin Cook was also involved in all, all the opening art sequences for that show. He was involved in that. So I, I knew I was already kind of a fan of his work. Uh, so watching the movie, I was like, yeah, I really feel like I need to read this work so i went ahead and ordered it anyways as soon as i saw it was on the list and i'm glad that we read it because i always i i I like the animated movie but i feel like it's maybe a little a little rushed it feels like it feels like there should be more like you could you you didn't get it all in two hours or whatever the running time of that animated you know feature is and uh after reading this it's like oh wow yeah everything that was in the animated feature is is in here and then some. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, from what I and I debated watching the watching the movie again, but I kind of didn't want to muddy like the story in my head before we talked about it. Right. But from what I remember, it's like you said, everything in the animated movie is in the book, and in that respect, the movie pulled sequences and stuff fairly accurately i guess faithfully they they did it uh, a little bit uh, out of sequence because they had to like they really had to bring the idea of the center 
in really early into the mm. animated movie mm-hmm. because if you didn't do that it would be even more confusing i mean like in in the book that we read you don't really get an idea of what's going on until maybe halfway through to the end and so in the animated feature it happens boom right in the right in the beginning ah. yeah and from what i remember the stuff that's in the book that didn't make it to the movie or at least the stuff that i don't recall being in the movie all that stuff in the book is my favorite stuff. It almost felt like, and I understand why, because of what the DC animated movies usually are. They've got to hit the plot points and stuff like that. But there's so much in the book that made this, for me, a fantastic read that didn't make it to the movie. And a lot of that was right. like character stuff. Yes. Because um, like the John Henry or the... Oh, yeah. Was that yeah, in that the movie at all? No, no, that's not in the movie at all. And I, that was some of my favorite stuff and how it ties into you know a character that we we meet later kind of thing i was so surprised by that this is my first time reading it and i wasn't sure i mean other than the fact that yeah like i had seen the movie so i kind of had an idea i knew it was about kind of golden age period stuff and the silver age stuff and it's really it's kind of about that gap between the golden age and silver age which is kind of interesting i mean a couple Apparently, it was a fairly uh, popular trend for a short time for like that topic. It makes me wonder, like, how did the the transition happen? Because I feel like maybe there wasn't much of a transition. It was like rip the bandaid off, and now we have the Silver Age. And like maybe it was ripe for storytelling, where people are like, "Well, how did that transition happen?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because these books didn't come until way later. No, I mean, I think in reality, it was partially like, I mean, it, it was just not, it was not ceremonial, you know, it was, uh, just happened because of, um, superhero sales slumps and, and then the comics code whole issue. Um, and I think, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there was a transition, but it just, there wasn't. I don't think there was any like story reason for most of it in the old comics. So it's kind of interesting when writers like will go back and be like, here's like, assuming we didn't have the comics code issue or, you know, the comics didn't suddenly shift all to Westerns and war books, like, uh, in horror books, like, I don't know. It's kind of interesting to look at that. But so reading this, my first impressions were the, the first section we, we follow, what was his name? Was it it Rick Flagg at the beginning? Yeah, but really we're following, was it Cloud? Uh, Oh, yeah. Native American gentleman. In the the Losers, the group called the Losers. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I was like, this is, what is this? Like, how does this connect to anything? Um, But it was really interesting. And then, and then it leads into a bit that started to worry me. And that's when I started kind of messaging you about it, Jesse. You, oh yeah. You basically get a big like I mean it's not super long but you kind of get info dump just like yeah. Ultimate or alternate al- alternate history stuff like historical here's what would have happened between this war and this war if there were superheroes and here's what happened to the superheroes and like the golden age and like watchmen and like this and like that at certain points the government's like superhero we can't have these these mystery men running around and it was very much like that and it felt it felt just like that JSA book that we had written or uh, that we had reviewed, what, two episodes ago. 
GSA, the golden age. Yeah. It was almost exactly the same. That little bit was. And, and then it moves on. Yeah. Yeah. But when it hit, I was like, and it's not a fault of the book. It's more circumstance. I was like, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, this seems like this again. Like, right. And that's why I say somebody in our listening audience really has like, they <laughs> like this stuff. Taste, like, yeah. yeah, very specific taste. But, um, so at first I was kind of disappointed, but once you get past that back into like the actual story and it kind of jumps between several different, uh, characters, I was on board again because the, the writing in this is great. Oh yeah. Yeah. And to, to that listener, uh, we, we are loving this. Uh, yeah. We just, yeah. We just like, give us, give us a, a few things you like, you know, like, yeah, like a, <laughs> give us some of your other tastes too. Yeah, a little more variation because we are enjoying this. Yeah, and I was glad after, you know, when I got done with this, I was glad we read this because I think this is I think this is fantastic. I think it's a great book. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yes. It's like a work of art. Yeah. Like once you get beginning to end, you know, it's like, whoa. My favorite my favorite aspect of it is um story wise is like character moments. It handles the character so well. And I do like that setting, the period, like it would, what it say from like 1950 into the early sixties. Yes. I do like that setting. Uh, again, we've read some things placed in there on the pool list several times. I'm uh, not, I'm not like a huge wonder woman fan, but I've read wonder woman off and on here and there. This may be my favorite wonder woman ever. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That, that bit with the villagers. Oh yeah. Yeah. In the Korean war. Right. So Yeah. That was so good. I know this isn't necessarily like canon stuff. It's kind of a, not a total reimagining, but kind of a, a, a different take on some origins and uh, stuff like that. Um, but I think this book, like this became for me, several of the characters like became the definitive version of that character. Oh yeah. Like Wonder Woman or, or, or Hal Jordan. Like, yeah, that may be the best Green Lantern retelling I can think of. Oh, I don't know. It was so good. And really the book follows Hal quite a bit. Like there's certain characters that it follows more than others. And Hal Jordan's one of them. Right. We kind of just check in on other characters. Like, like Batman's heavily involved, but we just kind of check in on him once in a while. I think this book, like for me, like the standout characters, like Superman's there, but he, he's one we kind of check in and out with, uh, the standout characters for me are like, uh, the Green Lantern, obviously, because we were constantly checking in on him. Uh, the Flash plays a pretty heavy role in it. And then John Jones, like this is also one of my favorite uh, John Jones Martian Manhunter stories. And I don't, I, I don't claim to know a lot about the Martian Manhunter, but I really dig this version of his origin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say if there's. If you had to narrow it down, like who's the main characters in this book, the two primary are Martian Manhunter and and Hal Jordan, Green Lantern. Right. Those are the two that it fo follows most often, but it does it does jump around. You get Flash and you get like interesting like insight into, you know, his his you know, his thinking. His uh, it's Barry Allen too, specifically. Right. Um because at one point he he gives up being Flash. He kind of continued after the government was like, no, you guys aren't supposed to do this anymore. And Batman isn't, he's hardly in it, but man, he's awesome when he's in it. Oh yeah. Well, and that's his role, I think. Yeah. <laughs>
And it even covers the changeover because you've got the like very 40s looking in terms of comics, like the 40s looking back costume with the big flared ears off the cowl. Mm-hmm. And then it once you get into at least how it was split in the books I read, you get into the second half volume two. You get the changeover to the Silver Age Batman where his costumes. He's more Batman 66 kind he, of thing. Yeah. And he's got Robin there and they even he him and Superman even have a little conversation about it. But. Yeah, but it's not totally on the nose either. Like that's the kind of fun thing about it is that even though it's kind of meta, it's it's not like hammering you over the head with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there were several characters that I was not like some of the like you get some uh, ch- was challengers of the unknown characters mm-hmm. in there. I'm not super familiar with them. Uh, some of the more government types I can't think of their names. We had like Faraday who wound up being like a pivotal character because of Martian Manhunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like the whole Martian Manhunter arc and aspect in this. And this yeah. has got the cl- and then this I mean I remember the animated series or the animated movie nailed the the scene of him in the apartment perfectly and Oh yeah. And yeah. of course WB owns DC so like they could even get away with the Bugs Bunny trans uh uh do you call it yeah. oh yeah where he morphs into him yeah so and but that's was they took that right out of the book it's just like the stuff in the book i think is handled so much more interestingly than they were able to do with the animated movie because that whole thing with him being a cop or a detective in gotham um i really like that and you're just able to get a taste for their like you know because you've got the narration and stuff mm-hmm Yes. You, you, yeah. You get a better grasp on the character. Yeah. And you get to see what, uh, you get to see what John Jones is thinking. You get to see what Hal Jordan is thinking. And again, those kind of seem to be the two spotlight characters that we really get a lot of insight to. But there's a few other characters that we see a inner monologue from. But yeah, I mean, I guess plot wise, it's, it's like the synopsis said, for the most part, it has to do with like most of the superheroes have kind of, You've you've got the Green Lantern origin mm-hmm. is a big element of of the story. Uh, you got Martian Manhunter coming to Earth, the John Jones stuff, um, and then you've got like you said the bit with the center, which they keep very much like a mystery through a lot of it until just before like it really ramps up to be the big climax, the big yeah the showdown yeah yeah, and that's the major plot. But it's 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 like you said, it's beefy. There's and there's standout points like uh, a standout point in both the animated series and in the book is that scene. I, I'm kind of jumping around. I don't know how much of the plot we're going to hit, but there's like some some really like iconic moments, like when Wonder Woman shows up in the invisible jet, but you can totally see her because she is like bloodied. Yeah, it's yeah. like the art style is very almost Bruce Tim, almost animated series style. It's very slick and awesome. Um, th- that's my bias totally showing, of course. Uh, but like that's a brutal moment to see in that kind of style. You know, it's almost like more poignant the fact that you see like animated, almost animated series style Wonder Woman totally bloodied in this invisible flying machine that you can't see otherwise. Yeah, that. That moment made me realize, like, that invisible plane is dumb. It's such a <laughs> stupid idea. <laughs> because that you, 
I love how it's how it's handled in this. And and yeah, we I'd like to jump in deeper on the art. But that sequence, because you see her sitting in the yeah. air and there you can see the outline like of the splats a, of blood and yeah, because there's blood, you can kind of see the outline of like the cockpit. But otherwise it's 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 as dumb as you would think it would be because <laughs> it doesn't make her invisible. You can see no. her, but the plane is invisible. Which, which, like, I guess I don't understand her power set well enough. I thought she could fly. <laughs> she can fly. I think I. She think, can fly. So why? So why does she need the jet? Yeah. Uh, I think I. I mean, in this situation, I think she took the plane because she was injured. Oh, okay. That makes that makes sense. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Like, I mean, I Darwin Darwin Cook is taking like he's taking this. It's Wonder Woman like established lore or mythos that she has this plane and he's taking this very goofy idea and he's using it in a way that makes sense but that sequence just made me realize how goofy that idea in general is right right um but yeah he he used it to great effect i i I guess yeah as good as you're gonna get in a modern audience but yeah and i thought i even think like the execution i think was cool because it crashes and then you even see like Superman, you can tell he's ripping like the door panel off oh, because yeah. of the blood like that's on the invisible door. And I thought that was cool. Like he's taking the idea and he's doing cool things with it. It's just a goofy idea at the first place. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I like the art quite a bit. And it, and you're right. It When you've got and there's not a lot of them, but there's a few kind of gory moments or at least bloody moments. But the art's super clean, uh, very for the most part, very colorful, very bright. And it does have that kind of Bruce Tim somewhat, I guess you'd say cartoony style, but it's, it's, um, cute. It's, he's got a very Darwin cook has a very cute style. It's not like they have like big eyes and stuff like that, but it's, it's, you know, if a character had big puppy dog eyes, it wouldn't seem totally out of place. Uh, (laughs) but it looks good. And then, like you said, it makes those moments of like intensity, or if there's a bloody moment, it really makes those pop because it's kind of feels like a, uh, it's jarring. It's almost like a con. Yeah, it's almost a contrast to yeah to, to the uh, to the era almost because everything else we see is very you know like right down to the interiors of like the apartments that they live in or like the opening scenes when they go to the boxing match with uh, with Wildcat. When they're in Vegas and you've got all those like crazy starburst, uh, still like holdover fifties motifs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, almost like the Jetsons kind of, kind of, uh, visual cues. Um, so you see all those kinds of things. Like that's one of my favorite scenes is where the flash is, is, uh, you know, rushing to Vegas to save the day against this totally sixties, uh, captain version of captain Cole. Uh-huh. Uh, so you've got like this very stylistic spot on, like, like somehow all this works together. And then you have something like that, like, Oh my God, this, this, she's been brutalized in injury kind of situation. Mm-hmm. It's like, Whoa, that it's that much more poignant because it's set against this very clean, crisp outline. And, there's dinosaurs and crazy <laughs> d- demonoid looking what, creatures. What is not to like? Whoa. <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, I really like the look of Martian Manhunter when he's mm-hmm. in his like natural form. I like how he draws him. He almost looks like green rock or something, but he's very rough looking. Yeah. 
yeah it's like the most texture you see like most of the time it's pretty pretty slick uh but when there's monsters or anything that's supposed to look kind of kind of scary all of a sudden you get all this interior contour line yeah the panel layout actually really liked it the majority of the pages almost all of them there's a few pages that are like you know double page splashes and there's some that are have like larger panels but for the most part almost every page is three panels and they're yeah. they're almost like 16 by 9 widescreen uh ratioed uh rectangular panels so it's kind of got like a default or it's kind of got a almost cinematic look just default to the layout itself yeah and if you're reading this uh digitally on a phone or something it's perfect you flip the phone sideways and it's perfect for oh, phone reading. oh i bet but i kind of i like that i like that i mean it wasn't like crazy panel layouts it was it was straightforward but it looked good i thought yes yeah i, I don't know what else to add that's yeah. absolutely yeah it you almost get like a it's not like panoramic but it's almost because you get those long panels yeah you yeah. get a good environment even when it's like a like a a, a zoom in you know like mm -hmm. you've got opportunities to zoom out like when uh wonder woman and superman are there at washington dc you get to see like this whole scene where they're receiving medals of honor from the president and then there's other times where you just zoom in and you just see like uh somebody's eyes with batman's shadow behind them mm -hmm. i'm mm -hmm. looking at two pages in particular wait it's john jones when batman inter interacts with john jones you get this awesome like it's him with this super elongated you know cowl ears is that and it's sh it's his shadow just behind him and yeah and he's like sneaking out the window at the end and then john jones is so shaken up that he reverts back to his natural state mm-hmm they oh man i love when books when they when the books can do that and it's usually a book like that's the best way to handle batman in something like this where i mean this isn't like a justice league book but it's you know it covers a lot of a lot of different the character a lot of different dc superhero characters and he handles batman so well and perfectly in the way that i like when batman's in a larger book he's they make him mysterious he's like kind of a creepy he's he's more monstrous than some of the monsters they come across he's got a creepier uh, he's a creeper yeah yeah and he's he's like the only uh, aside from the center he's the only character that seemingly can take down superman yeah which you find out later is a little bit more collusion than that but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i love that bit when speaking of john jones and batman where they come across the book from this uh -huh. cult and that's where you that's i think that's when you first see batman in any kind of action and they really play up batman just being like terrifying at one point the the detective partner of john jones says something about batman's costumes like you know wow he can move even if he does dress like a nancy or something i don't remember what he says <laughs> but then later something later in the like a page or two later in the whole sequence the, the guy's like frozen paralyzed in fear uh watching batman work over this uh this cult leader and talking about like you know hearing the sounds of wrist snapping and stuff like it goes really hardcore oh yeah yeah see i would like that you would have liked that that was that's one of my favorite moments but you know anytime you make batman that awesome <laughs> <laughs> 
it's kind of an aside, but uh, I really like the part where everything's going. I'm mean, like jumping forward again. Everything's going down, and uh, you've got all the mystic forces just chilling on the moon. Yeah. Billy Batson eating ice cream and until he gives him an ice cream, gives himself an ice cream headache. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and Zatanna's like, hey, don't eat so fast. Yeah, I thought that was unusual. At first, I was like, whoa, oh, because you know, you, you it jumps to um, the Spectre and who, who, who was uh, Doctor Fate, the Spectre, uh, yeah. the, the Phantom Stranger, and Billy Batson and Zatanna. Yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, the the weird mystic uh, side of DC. But it really kind of, I mean, okay, I guess we're kind of getting more, a little bit more, like, plot specific. I don't think we're going to go hardcore spoilers, if that's even a possibility in this, I guess. I don't know. But for me, it felt like, I mean, it was a cool scene, but it felt like Darwin Cook was, like, covering a, a possible covering plot hole. Yeah, he's yeah. like... This I could see people arguing about this on the internet. So here's the thing. Yeah, like if this if this if this threat was so big, why don't why didn't the Spectre step in or whoever? And yeah, that was just totally covering that base. Um, but it was cool. And it his worked. attention his attention to detail in this thing is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is I mean, of the DC stuff we've read for the poll list lately, I'm thinking including golden age and and i'm kind of glad we read it in this order you know like like i'm kind of glad that we read golden age first and then this because golden age would have fell flat for me after reading this yes yeah exactly i completely agree this is yeah this is my favorite of these kind of books we've read and and you're right i think following this up with golden age would have been kind of disappointing and i liked golden age but yeah, this was not Golden Age. Golden Age was not this. Yeah. And I had totally forgot about it. It's in the animated movie, but during the climax, it takes this really psychedelic turn. Yes, that was the one thing I was a little confused about in the book because they kind of glaze over it in the book, but they make a, a point of it in the movie. And that uh, is, it doesn't metamorpho. Isn't that his origin in that moment? And we don't really get that in the book, do we? Oh yeah, no, I don't think there's like, you know, I don't think he's got anything, any, anything to do with it in 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 the book at that moment. Yeah, we see like a silhouette of him later, but like, uh, Hal Jordan makes it out the other side as the Green Lantern in the movie, and then uh, the other guy comes through as Metamorpho. Maybe oh. I'm getting the wrong. Maybe I'm getting the wrong character name. I mean, that's that's, and the only reason I know that is I just recently rewatched the animated feature too. Oh yeah, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that at all. Maybe that was, oh, maybe that was an addition to the movie. Like, did Darwin Cook have anything to do with the script adapting the script? Uh, yeah, he he had a uh, he had a commentary track about the the different changes and stuff. Um, he was heavily involved in the process. I don't know. Oh, if he had the final say on stuff or not? But maybe that was something that came to him later, and he's like, oh, maybe I should have done this. And then got the chance. I I don't know, or or it's possible I missed it in the reading. But yeah, that does not. I didn't catch anything like that. Well, I like I said, I finished it this morning, and it wasn't there. And I was like, oh, and I that's the only reason I recalled it. It was like, wait, isn't this the part where dot dot dot? I I like the Hal Jordan arc. I mean, it kind of takes a while before you really get into 
like I mean, it takes a long time before you even get to the ring stuff with him. Oh yeah, you get a lot more backstory on Hal Jordan, I think, in this than you do in his actual origin. Yeah, and then you, and then like him accepting like the powers basically is like the conclusion to his character arc. So you get a whole lot of Hal Jordan before he embraces the whole Green Lantern thing. Yeah. When he even uses the ring in a not quite Green Lantern way, like throughout a majority of this, really. Yeah. Like he's for the being one of the bravest souls on the planet. He's like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. (laughs) I mean, he, 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 once the action really starts to ramp up, he's gone. He like ran away. Right. Right. So I I really got to process this. I picked up a mountain. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but that's a little tongue in cheek, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was awesome, but but yeah. Yeah. The, the way Darwin cook writes it and the art really sells the idea of how powerful a green lantern ring can be. Yes. Which is, which is fantastic because you'll see in a lot of green lantern stuff and I haven't read a whole ton, but you'll see like, they're making big giant boxing gloves and, or even like uh, a bus or something, but like, yeah, the idea of basically dropping a mountain. Uh, yeah. Because usually we see them in out in outer space. So it's just this big sandbox that they can play with uh-huh. making hard light constructs with the ring. But like, yeah, we see what can he physically alter in, in a, you know, the world in on earth. And it's like, Whoa. Yeah. You get a better idea of the scope. And yet they even play with what are the limits of the ring. Mm-hmm. You know, at least later they do. It's like, oh, I could move a mountain, but even this is really hard and I have to keep my total focus on it. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah, he touches on like with Martian Manhunter, Manhunter, his like friendlier superhero appearance that won't startle people as much. Just yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that is really good. It just really comes full circle and gives us, it's like a, just a really good prequel to the JLA, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did, did you get an opportunity to read the Darwin Cook afterward? No. And the one, I mean, the one, I, I might have a different one in my book, but there is a Darwin Cook afterward that he even comments that, you know, it's kind of unusual to write one so soon after the original yeah. publication. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think that, I think that's the same one. Yeah. Okay. I, I started reading part of it and then I got, I finished this pretty late last night. So I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to stop now. Yeah, that would be hard to read late at night. Yeah, I I read it this morning. So it was a little bit fresher and it's, it's a really good, it's a really good afterward. I mean, like Darwin cook, just, he just knew what he wanted to do. And he also understood that people were going to receive it. However, they were going to receive it. Oh yeah. Yeah. For some people that it was going to be this, whole allegory story for other people it was just going to be about the characters and it's like i don't know for me it was the total package because it was it was an allegory it was a uh you know it was a social political commentary it was this just thematic shift showing the change from what was the golden age to what heroes meant later on yeah i did i did get that far where and he mentioned you know some people just take it as like a, a big, oh, how do you put it? I don't know if he said shoot him up against a, a big monster. Yeah. Like, I agree. Like I, I, I picked up on, on all the aspects of it. Um, and I appreciated all the aspects, but I could definitely zero in on the things 
I get what he's saying because I could zero in on the things that I liked most about it, and that'd be the character work and uh, some of the um, the social commentary. Uh, right. And that's the stuff I liked most. The big action stuff was fun. That was another thing. All the big action pieces, set pieces, you would say if it was a movie, mm-hmm. they all still had weight and consequence uh, because yeah, characters there were no would throwaway battles. And, there were no battles for the sake of them. Yeah, yeah. But but he's right in that afterwards there are and that's part of what makes it so good. There are a lot of different elements to it. And depending on what you like, chances are you're going to there's going to be elements that appeal to you in the story, even if you're not keen on the big monster battle or you're not keen on the social commentary. It doesn't necessarily beat you over the head with any one thing. There's a lot of stuff going on that chances are there's and it's all handled so well. Something in there will likely appeal to you. Yeah. And he, he did a little, uh, like, I don't know, it's, it's so poignant to today, you know? It's like, this guy is so ahead of his time, because he starts to talk about, like, the thing he really enjoyed as a kid was this, this part of a show that happened on Friday nights or whatever, and it was this, uh, like, sci-fi drawing, like a drawing section of some show, where, where you'd be drawing along with the robot or along with the futuristic device or whatever and uh there was a certain point where he realized ah that's not for me anymore like he grew up too much for it he realized it was not real it was a gimmick of the show and uh and yet his his younger brother started to love that that aspect of the show even though he had moved on from it and i just thought that was a really poignant thing it's like there's so many reasons to come to and enjoy these characters and this artwork and comics in general and yet like right now you've got people that are that are threatening to sue uh rotten tomatoes or threatening to sue suicide squad because the joker's not in the movie enough you know like like fans have gotten so out of control with some of this stuff where it's like you know, it's okay if Batman v Superman wasn't my favorite movie and somebody else loved it. It's okay. I, I didn't love the movie, but I am, I'm glad there are people out there that did. Yeah. Yeah. See, Darwin Cook made me go deep. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, and we touched, you touched on it briefly. The other thing I wanted to talk about for a moment was the, the John Henry yeah. stuff. That was, yeah. I was not expecting that. No, and yet that was like, whoa. And he doesn't, like, there are no punches pulled on some of this stuff. No, and it comes up later, too, you know, like, he'll just drop it in later on and and show, like, a whites-only drinking fountain Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting and very surprising, and I would have read a whole book on that little story. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh. But it's, yeah, if there's a criticism, it's like, I just want more. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Just including that. And it kind of, I mean, it's a commentary on the time. It also works towards um, other people's characters. It has a big effect on John Jones. Oh, yeah. But it's so interesting to include just that little bit, that cup, that little story that it cuts to once in a while has such a huge impact on the story as a whole, at least thematically. Um, I don't know. It's such an interesting decision, but yeah, I was kind of fascinated by it when it helped to create that final 
full circle i feel like like in the end in the end it basically ties us into what would become the justice league of america but it also like that ties into john henry irons who we know would later become pivotal in the death and return of superman mm-hmm. who he would embody the spirit of superman in a way that, that some of the other supermen did not oh you mean uh shack yeah yeah Sha- you know shaquille o'neal yeah he hangs is, out in a junkyard is that right? who he, now i don't know if that's <laughs> yeah, the same yeah steel. that's the that's the live action steel movie yeah so. handled poorly of course <laughs> i've never seen it i've never watched it it's awful don't <laughs> <laughs> i hadn't planned on it it's it, you know like that character is so so much richer than that movie it feels like wrapping this thing this this conversation up on this yeah, i don't know what else to say it's i really recommend it yeah me too that's the main thing like i recommend it and to touch back on what we we're talking about with uh like patrick's email if they haven't read this on make dad read comics i think this would be i mean other than the fact that it's pretty long yeah i don't know what like limit is it is puts. this longer than crisis it feels like it was longer page count well okay page count i think it is or it's close but, but because of the three panel layout exactly it's three panel layout on almost every page that makes it a bit of a quicker read you know and once in a great while you'll get info info dump but it's never like pages and pages but it's also not nearly as as talky as crisis right like you'll get narration from characters and they'll have conversations but it's not like it's not the old school like a character restating the plot up to that point or saying what they're doing in the panel. Like, it's not like that. It's, you know, the conversations are interesting, sometimes character driven, sometimes plot forward, a uh, plot, plot forwarding, but it's doesn't, the dialogue doesn't feel redundant and there's just not as much of it. So I think it's, would be a quicker read, but it is pretty long still. Yeah, that would be the only thing, but I think they've covered like, uh, scott mcleod's understanding comics so you know i think if you can if you can dive into that territory then i think this wouldn't be too too tricky yeah if they haven't i think this would this would be i think this would be something that patrick's dad would possibly enjoy as far as as far as like dc comics capes characters go this has a lot to do with like location and time period Mm -hmm. and it's just a lot of just a lot of callbacks to what was actually happening in the world and the way that people act actually uh, acted and responded to things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was great. It was fantastic. It's possibly one of my favorite pull list books we've read in the last, at least the last few months. Yeah. Probably the best one of the year. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to look back that's, at a list of January, one, but yeah, it's one of, one of my favorites for a while. It's really good. <clears throat> Although I really did enjoy, I mean, I've got it right in front of me. I did enjoy uh, Usagi Ujembo. I mean, oh, Usagi! It, it yeah. would be, it would be in that same category, though. You know, it'd be, it'd be right up there with that. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of make dad read comics, they read volume two. I, I want to say they released an episode where they read volume two shortly, shortly after um, the episode where we released, where we talked about volume volume one. It was also a fun mm-hmm. conversation. But yeah, I forgot about Usagi. That's good. Or Usagi. Usa- if- we never figured it out. I don't all think. I know is I was saying it wrong all episode. <laughs> <laughs> but 
yeah, I recommend the the new frontier quite a bit. Very highly. Yes, as do I. It's it's as good as people say. Believe the hype. It's real. And in terms of com- like the art looked great. In terms of comics, like that's not it it's not something that I would naturally be drawn to. Like it looks fantastic, but it's just not a style like I think I'm drawn more to I don't know, this sounds cheesy, but a darker style. But sure. But his style's so good. It's looks, oh it is it and, looks and so good. It, I mean like and we, we I wouldn't say that it's edgy or that it's got gore other than the invisible plane, but it's artsy. I mean, like there's some splash pages where they include multiple characters and I just looked at it and I thought, Oh my God, I want to design a poster like that, but I would be totally aping this. <laughs> I yeah. feel like I can't do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it without totally stealing it. You know, like uh, I think it's in the, uh, basically the new frontier montage stuff where they're basically explaining how things have moved on. There's this whole, uh, there's this whole page of like the flash and uh, um, green lantern and then the doom patrol. And you're like, it's just kind of, it's like diagonally spliced through a page. And I'm like, I want that on my wall. Yeah. 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 Good looking book. <laughs> it's, it's good looking. That book's got good looks. I, I recommend the deluxe edition too, because there's uh, additional chapters, which I didn't have time to read uh, in advance of this recording, but they look excellent. Like, uh, along with the animated feature, they put out some extra chapters, like the the smackdown between Batman and Superman, and uh, there's even a like a Batman and Robin story set in this world. Oh, nice! So I'm interested to go ahead and dig deeper into the like uh, special features of this book. Yeah, the original collected volumes that I read did not have that stuff. They had like cover galleries. Um, but that's about it for supplemental stuff. And those are beautiful too. Yeah. All right. I think we should take a brief break. So I, can I, use I was just going to say my dog is licking me. So he probably needs to go outside. All right. We're going to take a brief break. Listener, you're going to hear a couple promos for fantastic podcasts that we recommend. Yeah. And then we'll be back to talk Stranger Things. Hey guys, it's the Zigman and Zach Tagus, and when you finish it up listening to this great podcast, make sure you head on over and check out Shotgun Wrestling Radio. That's right, we're new to the EMC Podcast Network. Over at Shotgun Wrestling Radio, we give you the latest news in professional wrestling. That's right, we cover WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, and more. Want to know what's going on in the events in the Iowa Independent Seed? We cover that too with our pro wrestling calendar. That's right, Zig Ben. Not only do we cover that, but we also have a wide variety of interviews with pro wrestlers, both past and present. All our interviews can be found on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash shotgun radio and the number one. We hope you'll take the time to give us a listen and remember to give us a like and follow on Twitter and Facebook at shotgun radio and the number one. Welcome back, listener. <laughs> and Melanie. And me. And I was Melanie. I was sort of listening. I know. You never really left. No. I was right there. You were just being a, a, a lurker, a creeper. Uh huh. I was like the little hairy kid that let sits up on the corner of every Japanese movie. <laughs> the, the, the hairy kid. I like that it's every Japanese movie, not a horror movie. <laughs> every Japanese movie. Yep, they're always there. You just don't always see them. <laughs> That's what makes them really creepy. Mm-hmm. Did those podcasts sound good that we just played promos of? Yeah, because because we, we don't listen to bad podcasts. Exactly. We only listen to good ones, and we tell you about right? the best ones. Yep. Truth. <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about Stranger Things. Okay. Let's uh, do it. The show that we 
uh, supernatural shamed Jesse into watching last mm. episode, <laughs> which we everyone should do. I'm I'm glad I'm glad because I still have five seasons of Supernatural yet. Ooh, well, you've made I'm some glad serious I progress didn't... still. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. We're you, you had yeah. I don't remember what you said last episode, but you had way more than that. <laughs> I think we were like two seasons in or something. So we've made it a full two more seasons. Yeah. Um, Stranger Things is an eight episode Netflix series. In case you didn't know, uh, written and directed by the Duffer Brothers. Um, previously they have, they wrote and directed a horror drama film called Hidden, came out last year, and four episodes of the TV series Wayward Pines, which I'm not that familiar with. I've heard of it, but I, I've yeah. never watched any of either of those other shows. Um, yeah. And the score was by Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein. Uh, they're two members of a synth group called Survive. Sounds like- I, I feel like they are unsung heroes here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Stranger Things. Fantastic. Right up our alleys. We're all the like yeah. the appropriate age. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, I guess we 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 talked about it briefly the last episode, didn't we, Melanie? Did we? I don't know. We just said it was awesome. It is awesome. So yeah, okay. Yeah. So Jesse. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> now did you was it overhyped? Because that was my worry, because I know we recommended it and at that point like the internet, the internet really started to hit full swing on it right and actually the big wave of internet hype came a little after i thought it was going to oh yeah even after i watched the whole thing it was Mm -hmm. like all of a sudden like everybody was like bam i'm like really this has kind of been a thing for a while but you guys are behind the curve (laughs) right right. i thought i was behind the curve and i wasn't apparently we we just like we're, we're sitting out there waiting for for that wave i guess so did it yeah did it live up to the hype you know, like the first episode, which is really well done, and it sets up the whole series, I was kind of like, yeah, it was all right. But then you get into the second episode, and I think it's either episode two or three where all the really scary stuff kind of hits. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it feels less scary as time goes on. Like you see similar stuff happen later. But like the first time you see it in this series, you're just like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think we watched the second episode in the dark and Holly was like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, she had to go to sleep after that. And uh, wow. Can, can we talk about the door? Yeah, go ahead. So there there. Yeah, there we watched. We'd watch an, about an episode a night. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And there were two nights. Mm hmm. In which, and this is, you know, Melanie has to get up earlier than me, so she'd go to bed before I would, and I'd stay up late. There were two nights in which the bedroom door had to remain open <laughs> so that there was some kind of light shining in there mm-hmm. uh, while Melanie was going to sleep. Because, and it's not just this scary movie, that's a big part of it, but I have those issues anyway sometimes. Where you, you creep yourself out? Yeah, I, I creep myself out. I hear noises, and I don't know what they are, and I'm like, there's something in here. Or, like, with my feet. I, I hate having my feet covered but when they're laying out. It's like, oh, I just felt something brushing against my foot. Oh, my God, there's something in here. You know? <laughs> and I know it's, it's not real, but, but, it's but my pretty makes it real. But it's pretty rare that you have to leave the bedroom door open. Yeah, usually I just come out and go to, go to the bathroom and stuff. And it happened, like, two, I want to say two nights in a row while we were watching mm-hmm. this. Yeah, it was, well, it's, it 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 touched down all the creepy things that uh-huh. I feel when I sleep. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. 
you do you are starting to see the like the people that push back against it because it's become so popular sure and some of them have honest criticisms and and that's fair Mm -hmm. but it's so it hits i don't know i think the thing that made it blow up so huge is the fact that it was it, it came out of nowhere there was no hype leading up to this thing. Just mm-hmm. like all of a sudden there was a thing and everybody that did see it started talking about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I loved it. I think it's, I think it's very well made. I think it nails mm-hmm. about everything it needs to. And I had heard just a little bit about it beforehand. I'd heard there was basically it amounted to, I'd heard Netflix was working on it. And this is maybe a month before it came out. They were, you know, there was going to be a new Netflix show called stranger things um i thought it was going to be more of a straightforward horror type thing uh, or thriller placed in the 80s and i was like oh mm-hmm. well all that sounds cool i'm on board and i was waiting for it and waiting for it and i kind of forgot about it and then they had a trailer and the trailer almost it almost didn't sell it for me like it wasn't bad but like the music in the trailer was like your, your usual run-of-the-mill type score you know it looked like maybe an alien abduction thing or something. Well, then you we watch the show and we know what that's about, where they, you know, why I would assume that. But it didn't even like all the really cool stuff in the show. It didn't even hit on any of that. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, well, I still want to see it. Mm-hmm. And then it came out and it was awesome because I was like, it's got a legit synth score. I did not expect that. It t- takes place in the 80s. They nailed the look of it. Mm-hmm. Um and it just pulls so many cool elements mm-hmm. from things. Yeah, and some the stuff with the girl when she's um uh which girl? Eleven? Yeah. Okay. What other girl is there? The older sister? She's the older sister. She's not the girl. <laughs> anyway, um yeah. uh when she's in the like like dark watery whatever, that some of that stuff looks super awesome. I love it. I love the whole I love that whole thing. So I mean it's hard to talk about it, and this is one thing that a lot of people are talking about is it pulls so many things so directly it's almost on the edge of like ripping things off mm-hmm. oh yeah derivative almost yeah and for me i think it works it works in a i mean obviously a different attitude but it works in a tarantino type way tarantino will straight rip things off but yeah he, he has his own flair he does it with flair and it mm-hmm. he he takes these things sometimes very directly including plot but he t- points but he tells a new story with it yeah and he yeah exactly and he'll take these things and elevate it or put it together and make this new thing that's awesome yeah it's, a, it's almost like an homage yeah not instead yeah. of like ripping it off he's like look at this great thing and the great things you can do with it yeah and in the case of something like this like there's there's several youtube videos you can look up where it's like every easter egg and every every reference and there's there's certain things where it's like while watching the show i didn't catch that but it's like they consciously had to put extra work in to like mimic that that exact shot from ET or this or that or whatever. And oh sure, it's it's not like even a lazy thing. It's like they put extra effort in to fit the, some of the stuff in. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think some of the best uh, descriptions of this were where they would say that it was like a like a cross between Amblin Entertainment. So you had your ET beats. You had your John Carpenter with the synth, obviously, and also the thing. I mean, like there were not only were there like posters of the thing in there, but like there were there were moments where I was like, oh, my God, this is the thing. And it's so creepy. Uh huh. 
and uh, Stephen King. So you have like the bizarre shop where 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 you know like fire starter things are happening where you've got uh, kids that have extraordinary abilities and what's going on and what's the consequence of that. So you have Stephen King, John Carpenter, Amblin Entertainment, the 80s as a whole, (laughs) all all wrapped up into one big package. And how could you not like it if you even remotely liked the 80s? I I thought they were going for the 80s. Isn't that that's that's it right there? Well, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing that really took me by surprise is like I was like, okay, it's going to be placed in the 80s. And I was hoping they'd kind of ride the recent trend of like because, you know, obviously I, I dig that stuff. I was hoping they were kind of going to play on that. I didn't expect them to like it. Not only is it placed in the eighties, but like thematically and like story beats, like they pulled all that stuff from, from eighties type material. Mm-hmm. And it's like taking from all those elements, putting to putting it together, filtering out like kind of the super cheesy moments that a lot of that eighties stuff would have and all that. And like refining it to here's the stuff that's cool. Some of it's blatant, some of it's more subtle. But, mm-hmm. Um, you got Poltergeist in there. The whole thing with the lights, uh, oh yeah, remind me of Poltergeist. Where and I mean, even that whole plot point where the 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 child is gone somewhere, but kind of communicates through a mm-hmm. thing. But it was like that playful, that like kind of creepy, kind of playful supernatural thing, mm-hmm. mystery. Mm-hmm. And then you got healthy, healthy D and D, and it wasn't even just like. You know, it's 80s. These kids play D&D like they used it to explain the plot. It was crazy. Awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, it's wove into the plot and very theme and concept of the whole show. Mm -hmm. You didn't even need to know anything about D&D and it it somehow made more sense. Yeah. I was Mm -hmm. like, that is the best use of D&D in a multimedia thing I can think of. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has the one owner writer in it. Sorry. One owner writer. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she was brilliant, too. I forget how good of an actress she is, but she nailed this. See, there was a, there's a lot of, um, that's one of, Winona Ryder is one of the things that I hear, that's one of, she's one of the more polarizing aspects Okay, I, I, I guess I could see that, but. Because there's I'm, a lot of I'm, people that just. I'm firmly in the, she nailed it camp. <laughs> I think she nailed it. I, I see, I, a lot of people are like, oh, she's terrible in it. I don't think she's terrible. I think she's good. I just think she, her character is horribly annoying. She's mm-hmm. that super high and, you know, maybe not as dimensional as some of the other characters. She's pretty oh, yeah. she's pretty one note for the most part. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I would imagine if you freaking lost your child and he was trying to communicate with you through lights, you would be pretty one note. Yeah. I didn't think she was bad. I think if anything her character gets is annoying, but I even if she wasn't hysterical most of the season, I, I think her character would be annoying anyway. She's very high. She's one of those very high strung, um, nervous ladies. Yeah, she looks like yeah. Marla to me. I, I felt like she went full on Marlon Brando method acting for this because she looked haggard at parts, you yeah. know, like she went to work. Yeah. She let herself not look so great. Yeah, she let herself go for the role, which is not something a lot of uh, particularly actresses. Well, female actors. I don't know. I don't want to. She's like she's like the female name in this thing. You know, like she's the big name, I think. And that's not easy. I I, you know, that's not necessarily easy for uh, a female actor to do because, uh, you know, so much of I'm not saying it's right, 
I'm, I'm treading lightly, but it's, it's a lot tough. of the, a it's lot of built on looks. Yeah, it is. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a norm in Hollywood. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's what's, that's another thing that's brilliant about this is it's another example of Netflix having a series that can take uh, whatever's the norm in Hollywood and say, now nah, we're going to try something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got the same thing that's happening with orange is the new black, you know, like, it's uh, it's another Netflix series where they're they're in prison, so they're not gonna look totally made up. It's just not gonna happen. I think the casting in this all around is interesting. Uh, the casting of the kids, and this is pretty much everybody agrees. The casting of the the kids, the main central mm-hmm. group, is great. Yeah, yeah. They all feel like they're they came from eighties. Uh, oh yeah. The Goonies and little Stand little by Wheatons. Me and what's that? They're like little Will Wheatons. yeah yeah. yep yep and then the casting of the teens is interesting because they're not that was one thing the the older sister i can't remember her name offhand the character's name is that nancy yeah she's kind of got a very unusual face structure yeah a bit but it's not typical casting i'm not she's not bad looking Mm -hmm. but what i you know it's she's she's interesting looking Mm -hmm. and and a lot of the other uh, teen cast is interesting looking. Yeah. I think my my favorite of the teen was her friend that got sucked into the pool. She Barb. looks she looks so Barbara, much yeah. like every other like best friend of in the eighties movies that was, you know Yeah, if you look at um, left aside or whatever. The best yeah. friend the kind of like yeah, the kind of nerdy best friend mm-hmm. of like sixteen candles. Uh-huh. With that like owl that. owl eye glasses and everything. Mm-hmm. It's she's kind of like her ter- character's dead on. I know yeah. that was she was the best. In fact, when I As first seen her, I was like, "Yeah, they're taking all the '80s things because yeah. her outfit is so terrible." But it's like it's the terrible '80s outfit. If if I had a complaint, uh, like I I felt like that was a little too on the nose. Like her fate, uh, was oh, her fate, like, her fate. Yeah, yeah, her fate is like, oh, she was destined for this to happen. Is there weird sounds? So. Oh, it's your phone. God, it was creeping me out. It's one of those stranger things. <laughs> Bar- Barb is my major complaint. That she dies? Well, okay. Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> what? Oh, like her fate was known. They were like, uh, that's not giving it away? Oh, well, okay. Anyway, that's but fair. we didn't give a spoiler warning. Fine. But, so, you know, sorry. Spoiler. But, but, but if we're going to talk about her. Fact, that's great. If, if we're going to talk about her, uh, like her, if we're going to talk about her fate, like the fact that she is... Uh, in the other world that's some of my favorite part uh-huh seeing seeing the house party like uh was his name steven his backyard but in the upside down uh-huh mm-hmm. oh my god cool the upside down was awesome in general mm-hmm. oh but i was gonna say that's one of my that's one of the bigger complaints is it felt like and they kind of played it a little bit this way but it felt like nobody cared about barb yeah that she disappeared and nobody cared and they played it off that way but it was almost too much like the show didn't care. Mm. Like, oh, they kind of they said I mean, she's not a major character, but they set her up. And then again, this is obviously we're well into spoilers. They kill her off. And like she gets a couple lines of dialogue from like the one character that interacted with her in the show. But we don't get the like, I mean, Will disappeared and it was like a huge thing. And the whole town is looking and I'll be it's a little different with Barb. She was a teenage a teenager, but still. I just didn't buy that, like, nobody seemed to notice. 
Even mm-hmm. after she was confirmed dead, nobody really seemed to notice. But even with a child, a small child, look at how long it took for that for anybody to even get on board with that. It was like he was gone days, I think, before they actually started freaking out. Yeah, I don't know. I just felt like I felt that was a weak point. Mm-hmm. It just didn't seem com- that plausible. It it made me angry only because his her the the sister's boyfriend's bad word friends uh didn't die. If they would have died, then I would have been okay with it. But but I guess. When you put it that way, that's one of the strengths of the shows is taking, like, what you would expect to happen and then flipping it. Like, I didn't expect her jerky boyfriend mm-hmm. to end up not, you know, he still wasn't a great guy, but... Being, a, yeah, he, yeah, that was the thing that I was like, they did flip that expectation mm-hmm. for me because I kept saying that to Holly. I was like, no, he's a jerk. He's he's going to be that guy, you know? And she's like, no, I don't think he's that guy. And then she was right. Well, and I, mean, I was wrong. I kind of was thinking he kind of was, but they give him an arc, and I yeah. didn't expect that. Yeah, I I didn't know if it, he was going to be a good guy or a bad guy, but I knew that the other guy wasn't going to end up on top. The brother of Will. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, no, he's destined to Jonathan be alone and take pictures of people from afar. Poor guy. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Well, and they were good about since they had at a least, little. Oh, what? At least he has good taste in music. Yeah, he has. Probably the best, m- most underground taste of music as uh, of any <laughs> r- small t- town rural kid in <laughs> 1983. Yeah, yeah. It was a little stretch, but it's also like uh, the kids having the thing poster, or even the one kid having the Evil Dead poster in 1983. <laughs> yeah. The thing was a flop. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, but somebody loved it, or it wouldn't still be here, right? True. We loved. It. No. Um. <laughs> But I can look past that because I'm like, well, you know, that's fine. That's obviously that's, uh, well, I was going to say filmmakers, but yeah, the filmmakers. That uh, was one thing I, I felt like the Evil Dead poster took me out of it for a second because I was like, I feel like that's a modern Evil Dead poster. I don't feel like that's an 80s Evil Dead poster. Well, and that's a good way to put it. it took took me out of it for a moment. The Thing poster did a little bit. And the Evil Dead poster did a little bit. I mean, I still love it because I love the thing and Evil Dead. Oh, but, sure. But that's my complaint that I was trying to get at with the music is it took me out of it a little bit. Not the music they played, but like the music he was talking about. And I was like, eh, maybe you guys okay. didn't have the same 80s that I had. But uh, <laughs> we used to, they used to give out free posters at movies all the time to try to that's promote true. them. And I had, that's true. I had tons of movie <laughs> posters all over, all over my room when I was like younger. Like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Cool World. Whoever saw Cool World. I did because I, I did. had the poster. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Ralph Bakshi. Well, you know what? Maybe next year, next decade, when the 90s are the big throwback thing mm-hmm. and we're watching uh, strangest things that we said in the <laughs> 90s and there's a Oh cool god, I hope poster. they don't do that. Oh. <laughs> like like when they had the seven that 70s show and then they tried to have that 80s show. Oh, mm-hmm. I hope they don't do that. Yeah. They just, they didn't wait long enough. Mm-mm. The 80s show might hit hard now. Oh, yeah, now. Now it's a good period. Good period piece. You gotta wait a decade for the de- de- the next decade to be cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, remember all the, uh, the 70s and some uh, 60s stuff in the 90s? Yeah, the, I the do. Bible thing. I do. No, I guess it would have been not, it, big 60s stuff in the 90s. There's even the big miniseries TV event, the 60s. And then oh, 70s yeah. stuff would have been... The 2000s, mm-hmm. the first decade. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's a good show. And Bell Bell Bottoms kind of came back for a sec. Yeah, I had Bell Bottoms. And tight, there certain tight pants looked very Bell Bottomsies. Bell Bell Bottomsies, and uh, a lot of boys' haircuts mm-hmm. started to look very seventies. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, for a while in the aughts. Like yours? No, mine's just long. Mine doesn't have a style. Seventies <laughs> has like there's either a bit of a feather or a a certain swoop one way or another. Mm, like your like your beard. My beard has its <laughs> my beard has a style. I just have no control over it's it. It's Cthulhu. <laughs> That's the style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cthulhu. It's on I understand this. Yeah. And yeah. once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. <laughs> um so so I don't remember where we were. Who okay. Favorite characters? Oh, that's hard. The chubby kid. The chubby kid. I, mean, I would say Dustin is a fan favorite for sure. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things, my favorite fan things that has come out, uh, was was done by James Hance. He did uh, he did Dustin from Stranger Things, and then he had him with Toothless from How to Train Your <laughs> Dragon. So that that was just brilliant, and I was like, oh, I wish I had thought of that. I liked well. Eleven's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the older the older brother of Will was okay. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked him, even though he was a creeper. Jonathan, mm-hmm. Jonathan, the main. Okay, well, I mean, the main kid because they're kind of is. Mike. Mm-hmm. Is it Michael? He's okay, but he's kind of a jerk. Yeah, you know who's a big jerk? What's his name? The other kid, basically the other than Lucas. Will. Yeah. Lucas, that kid's a jerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I felt bad for that kid, though. Like, he came around, but that was his job, to be a jerk. Yeah, for the most part. But, and I was kind of like, oh, come on. Like, he, they're just going to have this character, like, just hit that over and over. But then they they ended up playing it into, like, the characters, and it made sense. And it's like, well, he's kind of yeah. jealous. because of every, every, every character had, like, a strong archetype, too. You know, like, I don't know, like... um Dustin was kind of your, uh, was it chunk from the Goonies? Uh-huh. It was like he was constantly worried about food, and yet he was he was not annoying like Chunk. He was kind of the heart of the group. Then you had Michael, who was very logical but open to things, mm-hmm. and then you had Lucas, who was logical but not open to things. You know, like he was your Spock character almost. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They almost went D and D archetypes with some of these guys. Yeah. And a lot of archetypes from from the movies and stuff that it pulls influence from, but they are right. also able to flesh the characters out, so they're not just one dimensional. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically what you're saying. Yeah, I think one of the best descriptions of the series that I had heard was that it was not necessarily like it. It was a series, but it wasn't like a series. It was more like a really long movie. Yeah. Even uh-huh. even though they took breaks in between, you know, like there were obvious episode breaks, uh, and and each each episode kind of stands on its own it still if you if you took out the breaks it would feel like one super long fleshed out movie and it felt so cinematic all throughout i thought yeah Mm -hmm. i mean a lot of shows now they're single camera shows they're not shot like sitcoms they're shot to be more cinematic but it still doesn't always like elevate to a cinematic feel Mm -hmm. and i thought stranger things did yeah I mean, even if if you think of Daredevil or Jessica Jones, like they put, well, Daredevil's not the best example because they have some amazing set pieces in those seasons. 
but they look great, but sometimes they still feel like a series. Maybe more so Jessica Jones. But this definitely did have a movie feel all through it. It felt like uh, when they did It or The Stand on Stephen King's miniseries, except better because the end didn't suck hardcore. And I'd say better production, too. This looked well, nice. Yeah, but those were old. Those were a long time ago. This emulates a long time ago. Yeah, okay. In a galaxy far, far away. But they can do more with money now because better cameras look better and they're cheaper to yeah. operate and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I loved it when I was younger. Except the end. I'm like, is this stupid? Why is he a spider? But It does not hold up. <laughs> well, it's because, yeah, the book flashes all that out and the movie does not. Well, we'll have a new it soon. Have you seen the pictures of the clown yet? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't really like it. No, they're not. It's not going to be Tim Curry. And Tim Curry's terrifying without all the extra stuff, you know? Uh, yeah. So no, the, ma- that's... the makeup actually made him a little friendlier looking. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they picked the kid from Hemlock Grove, which was like, huh, okay. Oh, Wait, really? No, we started watching that and we never. never we did. fell off. I... It, was, it was all right. It got weird. First season was good. Second season, not as much. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember where we fell off of. Somewhere towards the end of the first season, I think. I don't know. It got pretty weird in the first season, but like the second season was like, okay, we're going to wrap this up. Because basically we just had a second season so that we could tie up the loose ends. Oh, interesting. It felt like it meandered a little bit at times. Yeah. That reminds me. So what did you guys think of the pacing of this? You think it was paced out pretty well? I, th- I thought it was paced well. I mean, I don't know. I kind of think eight episodes was about perfect. Because I think right. if they went long, if they if there was more, given where, you know, having seen it, where it ends up in the last episode, I think if they tried for a 12 issue, uh, 12 issue, 12 episodes season, mm-hmm. I think it really would have started a drag. Yeah, I agree. Yes. Like, because I'm sure there's more they could have put in there. But given what was in there, like, I can't think of how they could flesh flesh what's there out mm-hmm. more without it feeling like just filler. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, there's, they could probably drop some stuff and still be good. Well, there's things that they kind of, like, draw out a little bit that don't. Well, you were complaining, Melanie, about, was it you? I don't know. Maybe about, it wasn't. What? What Maybe it was about? somebody else. There was a complaint about the uh, the teenager storyline where they're getting the bear trap and they're going and buying the stuff. And all yeah, that. that was me. How it didn't really pan out like you thought it was going to. But they ended up using the stuff. Yeah, but it, it was so cartoony and seemed unrealistic <laughs> that they, they they just go and let them, yeah, take all this stuff and nobody's going to question it, you know? Are, this is America. They had cash. That's all they need. Yeah. Um, I think in a small town it would be worse. They wouldn't let some teenagers go off with, you know. 1983. That's all you need to say. No, I thought that part was great, though, because it felt like, I'm trying to think, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh-huh. where they're like, the kid's got a plan suddenly. So they're like, it's the whole, it was almost it was montage. The montage. Yeah. It was almost montage. They're gathering together stuff. They're putting together a plan. You know, the adults won't help, can't help them. So they're going to take care of it themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. There's like three stories going at the same time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the season, it's almost frustrating. You're like, when are these going to come together? Because they're, they all know like the same things or different mm-hmm. angles of the same thing. But none of them know that the other ones know. That was one thing that frustrated me. <laughs> when it was the girl started talking about the thing that she saw uh-huh. to the boy that took the picture. And she's like, 
He's like, what did it look like? And he didn't wait for her to say it had no face. He told her that it had no face. And I'm like, that doesn't count. You could have just fed that to her. It would have been better if he'd have waited till she said. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was, that was great. And I thought that was like a perfect structure because you do, you've got the, you've got the movie. Um, I don't know to say cliche, but the, you've got the kids movie, the Goonies or the E.T. And then you've got the teen movie with the, mm-hmm. like, there's a little bit of the drama and like the dating stuff. And that turns into a thing and, you know, the creepy brother. And, and then you've got the adult stuff with Winona Ryder and the, um, uh, pop popper. Yeah. And I actually really liked his character too, the cops. Oh yeah. He was really well realized. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even the creepy one dimensional, uh, doctor was kind of interesting. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. I don't like him, but I don't he, know why he looked so much. He was the perfect days villain. his hair. Oh, it's great. Uh, yeah. He was practically a Christopher Walken character. Yeah, he could have been a Walken. Mm-hmm. I've seen yeah. 80s movies with Walken as like a scientist type. Yeah, me too. That reminds me, though. Earlier when you said Walken and Roland, I was totally thinking they made Christopher Walken <laughs> costumes, and I was super excited. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what he would do, like Max Shrek or whatever his name was. <laughs> Batman Returns, because it always comes back to Batman. Yep, of course. Oh, and I was, sorry, just because we talked about it. Uh, you should make a draw up a costume of uh, you know a tank with and the monkey is sitting oh, on it right there. Is the oh, kid, kid I got a couple of I got a couple of the sheets. I could do that. Yeah, be perfect. Make it a tank. Give the kid a banana. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because Axton uh, actually sent me a message today, and he was like, "I was thinking about doing a Capaldi piece." With uh, Capaldi looks like Rick from Rick and Morty, and he would have like the sunglasses and the guitar and the tank. And the only thing that's holding me back is I would have to draw a tank. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a concept flaw right there. <laughs> I was like, yeah, tank monkey. Oh crap! Why didn't I? Why didn't I create bicycle monkey? <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't know. I think bicycle would, would almost be harder. Cause it's- yeah, a lot of spokes. Mm-hmm. You nah, can it's- simplify a tank. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I guess basically, so. It's basically a tank. Uh, basically a box with a gun on top. Surf monkey. Surf monkey. Oh, oh my kingdom for a reboot. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, my. What if you rebooted tank monkey? <laughs> oh, It'd no. Be even more have funny. To be way, it, it would have to be way grittier. I would have to cast Christian Bale. They're, they're, the whole thing, you'd have this gravelly voice. Where's the tank? Where is it? <laughs> I'm sure I clipped on that. Oh, that's all right. I think that uh, it, it would just sell it. Huh? Adds, yeah, adds to the effect. Mm-hmm. You clipped in my headphones, so I'm pretty sure you clipped on the recording. <laughs> well, when I'm being Batman, and you can't. Yeah, you can't hold Batman down. <laughs> I I have to. Batman clip. clips all he wants. You know what he calls it? Bat clipping. <laughs> oh, no. Check the bat levels. Well, what's your the bat <laughs> levels? They're just the regular levels. <laughs> he, go- he goes to the bat computer and it rolls out like a receipt tape. <laughs> the audio bata. I, I, can hear, I can hear it two ways. I can hear a Kristen Bale explanation and I can hear an Adam West explanation. <laughs> <laughs> What is- it's, it's, it's just not polite, Robin. That, that reminds me. Have you seen the trailer for this animated 
I I wish that this had happened sooner. I I can't believe it's taken us so long to get an animated Batman sixty six. Yeah, so they're they're making well, you know, DC's they're they're pumping the Batman animated stuff out for better or worse. Yeah, Uh, sometimes worse. Yeah, when they added half a movie that doesn't belong, kick that crap off there. Yeah. God. Anyway, uh, so it's was it Batman Return of the Caped Crusader or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but it's basically. It's an animated feature version of Adam West, Burt Ward, Batman, and Robin. You mean drug dealer jokers and uh... it's it's kind of like it's like the <laughs> oh, oh man it's basically like the big finish version of uh, what if we continued the series? Yeah, basically because they've got uh, Adam West, Burt Ward, and Julie. I want to say Julie. Newman, uh, yeah, the... yeah, it's Julie, isn't it? I think so. I, I was second guessing myself. Yeah, yeah. Adam West, Burt Ward, and Julie Newmar. I believe so. To voice Julie Newmar. Oh. Yeah. The trailer was interesting. The only thing that bugged me is like it just didn't look like I would have expected. I feel like the comics, the Batman 66 comics, like nailed the look of Batman oh, yeah. 66 series. And this looks like like the backgrounds, for one thing. Just looked too, albeit it, there was a night shot, but it looked too dark and kind of realistic. And I expected more of like, because it's got the Batman sixty six has like that kind of cheesy sixties pop art, yeah, bright colors and just like, and this didn't really, yeah, at least what I saw didn't really portray that. But you know, whatever, They're, you know, it it really kept making me think of Big Finish, and it's like certain, like when I think of Big Finish, and uh, for those people that maybe don't know, Big Finish they do a lot of. Uh, classic doctor who which is great if your classic doctor still sounds like your classic doctor and some people's voices age really well and some people's voices don't age as well Mm -hmm. like sylvester mccoy still sounds very much like his doctor uh for me for me the fifth doctor as much as i love peter davison his doctor does not sound like his current voice yeah the much softer voice (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) i don't know uh i would say the sixth doctor as well he sounds he he's getting yeah he's gotten to that point you can still old you can still you can still kind of hear his voice but you can definitely tell that he's older but yeah five and six for sure are are much harder to arrest that whole like span of time that has changed because uh fifth doctor got really bassy and sixth doctor has gotten more gravelly as time has gone on and i'm sure that the seventh doctor has a a a modicum of that but i i have a much easier time forgetting how old uh sylvester mccoy is Mm -hmm. i only really listened to one ever and it was because randall had me listen to it and all Mm -hmm. i can say is uh layla only sounds like layla like Oh yeah, yeah. You know Tom Baker. I'm. He might be the oldest of them. I mean, I think he is. Yeah, he's like. He's like mm -hmm. 80s, going on 90s now. He sounds older, Mm -hmm. but Tom Baker has such a distinct way of accenting words Uh and the way he talks that it's still. It doesn't. It's not as apparent. Mm -hmm. Right, Layla. Uh huh. Yeah, she was so young when she took that role too. Mm -hmm. So. It's going to be hard not to she sound much older. Yeah, it was like I'd be listening to it and then 
And then like she exclaims something and I'm like, oh my God, is that Layla? And, and then it's like, wait, no, no, it's some old British lady. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, it was still, it's it funny was, because she she plays all sorts of different roles, even on other doctors. And uh, like in a Sixth Doctor episode, I'll go, oh, uh, I know who that is. It's uh, Louise Jameson. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then, you know, yeah, it's like then then you'll have her as Leela and you go, I'm not buying that. <laughs> but you, but like I can hear her voice on other stuff and instantly recognize it. But in the fourth doctor stuff and sometimes in the uh, like the Gallifrey series or the worlds of Doctor Who, where they bring the Gallifrey people in, I'm kind of like, ah, it's taken me out of it, you know, and because. Sorry, the character. Well, because of the character. Yeah, and I think part of part of it with her is with the audio, she's going to have a lot more dialogue in general. You mm-hmm. got to have audio or else you right. don't know the character's there. But uh and she's done the character a bunch more for the audio. There's a lot more where she feels a bit she sounds a bit more naturalistic. And in the show, she wasn't always like amped up to 11, but she was a pretty excitable character and she would exclaim a lot in the show. Yeah. Or be like ready just to tear somebody up. So I think when I think of of her character, that's what I hear is her. You're not not exposition. You're like, oh, oh, wait, it's time for a Leela exposition moment. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. When this uh, this actually made me think of Stranger Things to tie it back to to our topic here. Um, The sound, like it's kind of off putting at first, but then it's also like the sound editors were just trying to capture the period. Yeah. You know, like with the synth and stuff, it's like, okay, the synth is so totally, uh, eighties and it's, it's jarring to our modern ear, but it's perfect for the property. Mm. Well, there's some people who, who just live with the eighties in their souls. I I did not. (laughs) Well, okay. So I did not have that problem at all. But, but he, I listen. The eighty synth is my modern music at this moment. I listen sure, to a lot sure. of it, so I didn't have that 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 problem. But I can see what you're saying, and that's one thing that I'm was kind of interested to get to see how the general public would react to this because it mm-hmm. is it's very it doesn't feel like it's dated, but it's definite. It's like a period piece through and through, like. They're like, it takes place in the 80s. It looks 80s. It's going to sound 80s. Uh-huh. Um, but right. like the best part of 80s, because there's a lot of terrible 80s music and stuff, and they didn't go with any of that. So They really was, didn't touch on any of the pop music, did they? Uh, there's, there's, well, I don't, not the super pop stuff. <laughs> they didn't go 80s, uh, like safety dance or anything. But there's, they didn't, they didn't say we could dance if we want to. There's a lot of timely, well, see, something like this, I think, benefits from having time filter out the crap not that not that the safety yeah. dance is crap no no yeah Because you can dance if you want to yeah, I yeah but it would have felt it would have felt way too on the nose if they had included it but they did you know there are there is a lot of contemporary music in it in fact that's the first thing like they there was a like an official spotify playlist going around before the uh, score got released ever that's all the like you know the music from the show but it's, you know, if you were actually in the 80s or watching a movie that takes place in the 80s, you're more likely to get kind of crappy 80s songs because it was just like, well, that was out when the movie came out and they're going to throw it in there. And in retrospect, yeah, it's kind of a crappy song. But now 
they're not going to put a crappy song in there. They're going to put something that stand the test of time. Like, yeah, it's from the eighties, but everybody knows it and they love it. You know? Yeah. And sometimes, right. Sometimes they would take a crappy song and then they'd name the movie after it. And then you just associate the movie with crap. Yeah, that's true. <sighs> Sorry. You sound like you had something in mind specifically. I was thinking of a couple things actually, but I love the music. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, so much so that you can go to superscience.bandcamp.com and download a three track uh, single or EP, whatever you want to call it, release of uh, Stranger Things inspired music. And it's, it <laughs> totally fits. Yeah, it's not it's not covers of the score and it's not like me trying to emulate the score. It's pretty much me doing what I've been doing for the last two, two, year, two Two and a half years. Yeah, but it sounds more dark. Uh, see, for so, I mean, it's like you're doing sounds from the upside down. Yeah, it, I mean, I made it with this in mind. It was supposed to go on a Stranger Things like tribute style compilation album that fell through, and I was like, well, I like these songs, so I'm still going to release them. Yeah, but you know, I make synthwave music, which is 80s synthy sounding stuff. And so this show coming out and being as good as it is and having that kind of score it was, it was with super, validation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's super exciting. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, you still see it creeping into mainstream stuff, but this is, I think one of the bigger mainstream hits to really pull from the whole eighties nostalgia thing. Yeah. So that was stranger things. I think we should put a bow on this thing. I think, I think, I think you're right. It's awesome. Go watch it if you haven't. It's awesome. Go read it. It's awesome. Go watch it. That's our episode. That covers <laughs> yeah. everything. Yep. yep. And we're awesome, so listen to us all, all the time. Get out of our treasure can, garbage man. <laughs> yeah. It's artsy. You have to go back and... <laughs> one in the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One in the same. I was surprised at how... At we, there was. Uh, there's probably still some more, but those clamor clips that we that i pulled out <laughs> those of are uh, the, those are some of the best clamor clips man and they come out of the commentary i was you, so surprised you do well but like those i was like oh my god these are perfect <laughs> right i thought they were really good i thought they were very funny so i'm gonna say follow follow us on twitter because we like tweeting uh twitter.com slash podcast and also on facebook you know what we have all all that stuff's gonna be said in the outro so we're we're the most uh, consistent on Twitter, though. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Facebook is problematic. Twitter, we're pretty consistent. Instagram, we do fun stuff, but it's when we feel like it. You ready? For I it? don't do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Randy. Grolix is our friend, and Grolix is weird. This is Melanie, and I want to be a great big huge Grolix. And this is Jesse. Hey, you Grawlix! Thank you for listening to the Grawlix Podcast. The Grawlix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vorpal Arrow Studios. For more Grawlix Podcasts, check out GrawlixPodcast.com. Also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, YouTube, ElectronicMediaCollective.com, Facebook.com slash Grawlix Podcast, Twitter.com slash Grawlix Podcast, all the dot com slash all the Grawlix Podcasts.
She's our friend and she's Grolix? I don't know. Weird. You kind of need weird. Yeah. She's our and she's She's our Grolix. Well, that's that could be weird, <laughs> What is Grolix replacing? <laughs> I feel like this is a, a movie quotes outtake right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got one that, yeah. When movie quotes and future predictions go bad. 